Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Lines are open on 0818104106. You can text 0868104106. Thank you so much to Mick Mulcahy for the past couple of weeks. Um, uh, all went well, I'm told, and uh, good to be back. Uh, lovely photograph making the Irish Times this morning. Um, and I think I was chatting with Seamus this morning. It says upwards of about 90 uh, cruise liners in and out of Cove this season, which is fantastic. It's a gorgeous uh, photograph from the front of the Times this morning of mooring men tying up the luxury cruise liner Jewel of the Seas. I think that's been in and out of cove for many years now um, and it's great to have it back and many more but it's a beautiful, it's one of those photographs I don't know what time of the day it was, whether it was during the day or, or sunset or, or dawn or whatever, but it's just one of those captivating photographs, like of, almost like of a bygone age making the front of the Irish Times today um, and uh, back in the city unfortunately another shooting is reported the front of the Echo talks uh, of a shooting on the north side, Gardaí and emergency services alerted to an incident shortly before 4 a.m. in the morning uh, over the weekend, a Churchfield shooting. Don't know what was the reason behind it, uh, but gun crime is becoming more and more prevalent in Irish society now. I know knife crime is, and I talk about that a lot, uh, but uh, this is a man in his 20s who's been shot, and people on the north side are on high alert, not for the first time with these kind of issues. We should also be very high on alert with regards to how City Council spends taxpayers' money. Now, in fairness to Anne Doherty, she punched back on a few of the observations or criticisms, if you like, that were made by the auditors of the accounts of Cork City Council. They certainly were taking to task City Council on the amount of overtime. So front page are making the examiner today. And just a few uh, stories on this. The government auditors went in, as they do, and looked at the books and they were looking at the overtime and various allowances that uh, Cork City Council staff. There's 1,500 of them. And how many of them were in receipt of overtime and allowances in 2020? It seems that a lot of checks and balances aren't done as much as they should be within Cork City Council from the article that I was reading the examiner. They're just under a, a thousand staff earned nearly 12 million in different payments of overtime and allowances uh, in that given year. And some were receiving over 20,000 in overtime and allowances. I'm not for a moment suggesting that the overtime wasn't warranted. They also went on then to talk about criticism uh, of, you know, d- paperwork or documenting business cases for things like the 74 electric vehicles that were bought by Cork City Council in 2020. And one final one that was close to our own hearts when they were bought and installed. The so-called robot trees, what cost us 404,000 euro. Well, the auditors are very um, critical about that. They criticised the fact that there was no assessment as to actual value for money as to why they bought these uh, five robot trees and put them on Patrick Street and Grand Parade. Um, you know, it's, uh, they said it was a strategy to tackle air pollution. I think we found out subsequent to that that they're pretty much close to useless unless they're cleaning up the air directly around the actual robot tree itself. So that was kind of interesting. And, and there they sit, and they're very expensive benches, I suppose. Another thing that I certainly don't have any problem if the guard is Chicana want to go and buy drones uh, to put in the air. I mean, many people might say, hang on a second, what about GDPR and what about people's rights to privacy and data protection? I understand all of that, but I think in in my world anyway, if you're not breaking the law, you should have no fear of the law. And if it makes the guardies' job easier, uh, so be it. And then, of course, the ongoing battle with regards to cost of living. And I'll come back to this later on this morning. But the one big issue now for young people, they figure in their lifetime, they're saying now, as a young person gets older even, they say their biggest, one of their biggest concerns 
concerns, of course, will be lifetime rent. And that's a story that makes the independent today. Uh, and what about jobs? And I know that we spoke about apprenticeships on this year program in the past. And I'm mentioning it again now because there is a new apprenticeship course. Uh, the first apprenticeship course for bar staff and bar managers and people who want to work behind the bar has been started down in Limerick. I think it might be a Griffith College course. Uh, so I may well come back to this during the week, but it is a course because it said that up to nine out of ten hospitality businesses now are having serious problems recruiting staff with many employers linking the shortage to a lack of training. I don't know about that, baby. I think it might be a lack of training, but I think it could be probably pretty shocking wages in the industry as well. And that's one of the reasons. And you could say that it's not linked enough to tipping and that the tipping culture here isn't good enough with regards to getting people to work in hospitality. I mean, could you in a hospitality job rear a family, get a mortgage, have a really good quality of life? Well, maybe if you get promoted uh, through the sections of uh, the hospitality industry over time, you might. But it seems to be one of the reasons why people stay out of hospitality. Not so much lack of training, but bad wages. Um, and again, this is interesting because they're talking about buses, they're talking about trains, they're talking about the Lewis, but they're talking about our buses and trains as well. And the issues regarding uh, what's plaguing uh, the running of public service vehicles in this country. Apparently, stone throwing at buses and trams and trains uh, and the amount of malicious damage that's done to them, leading, of course, to sometimes buses being pulled off routes or trains having to be taken off uh, tracks to actually have repair work done to them. And um, one of the big issues, apparently, that I didn't know of before was um, what they call international graffiti criminals. I wonder what that's about, where they actually graffitiize. That's probably a Neil Prendival word that I've just made up. Graffitiize um, buses or trains. Um, for social media hits, tagging and things like that. So on top of the stone throwing are the um, you know anti-social behaviour on trains, or the drinking, or the fact that it's being used the Cork Dublin train as a as as a, as, as a way of drug muling uh, heroin and cocaine into the community community as well. Social media hits for graffiti as well, um, and then on to. Uh, our roads. Um, and you may have noticed, uh, actually something we did on the air about six weeks ago when we compared the cost of car rental uh, in, in Cork. It was just through the roof. Absolutely ridiculous. But they're now saying, uh, according to the mail this morning, that tourists coming into the country are getting as big a fright as Irish people who are trying to rent a car. Tourists facing rocketing car hire prices this year as COVID forced rental companies back in the day to sell off all their cars. So there's a huge shortage of them. They just don't have the stock. And when that happens, of course, what happens? Well, prices go up. Uh, more on that throughout the course of the morning because a very sad story to determine overseas of a car rental couple I must remember to tell you that, but I'll come back to it a little later on. But you know what the regards to mar- marriage uh, age differences? It's very much accepted in Hollywood to have a huge big age gap between you know people who get married. I think by and large it's older men in Hollywood marrying younger women. I don't know if it's as acceptable for an older woman to marry a younger man as it seems to be for an older man to marry a younger woman. But they're saying in the mail this morning that in Ireland over the past 20 years, there's figures out now showing that men are nine times more likely uh, to marry wives 10 or more years younger than them compared to women. Which sounds to me as if it's very unfair on women. Then there are other stories in the in the papers today that deal with other issues involving our relationship with alcohol, issues involving elder abuse for the elderly, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But 
one of the stories over the weekend, which I have to admit I wasn't across because I wasn't around for Ireland not getting into uh, the Eurovision. But I think everybody is really annoyed and angry about that because it was a damn good song. Uh, here's a clip. think that that does it justice actually you know the actual visual aspect of the Irish entry was a lot stronger than that clip but didn't make it um, this one Ukraine entry and if there wasn't a war in Ukraine and the devastation of that country this would have won that Lisa was on the air the back end of last week talking to Mick Maul. I think that she needed a little bit of help getting a dig out on something. I think all that got sorted out, but she was, of course, at Eurovision over at the weekend. Lisa, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Now, when, just, just recap for me, because I wasn't around at the time, but when did you go over? Uh, we went over Thursday and we went to the, final, the semi-final uh, too on Thursday evening. So we got to see Brooke live and she was outstanding. That clip didn't do her justice. No, there are any little clips. No, I know that. I, yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You didn't get to talk to the lads on Friday after that, did you? No. Um, no. Oh, okay. God. Friday okay. morning was a no-go, got to be honest. Um, <laughs> should, I, should I ask you why? <laughs> Uh, no, we, we went and had a couple of drinks, considerations, but we did get we did get a selfie with Marty, the main man, <laughs> on Thursday evening, and we met Brooke yesterday. We we were actually randomly went into a pub to go and watch the final, get sitting beside her best friends from Derry, and she arrived in, and the pub went insane for her, like actually crazy. Did, did you get to chat so, with her? Yeah, we did. Yeah, she was she was really nice. She's really lovely. I mean. She was like, she, obviously she was like a bit devastated. I mean, I'm sorry, but she deserved to go through over Serbia, definitely. But, um, yeah, but the consensus in the pub was actually Spain, Sweden and the UK to win. That, okay. that was the consensus by everyone. We Did were it, I mean, because I was chatting with, because my wife and I were chatting about it and, and we kind of we kind of knew at least, 24 hours before the final that Ukraine were going to win anyway. Did did you guys not feel that? Um, we kind of were like, yeah, okay, that, that's the kind of consensus, but they don't deserve to. Nothing nothing against, I'm really stand with Ukraine and everything else, but we felt that the better songs were. From everyone we spoke to, they felt the better songs were definitely but, Spain, Sweden and the UK. Yeah, but, but why aren't I seeing any pushback against it? Um, you know, no, nobody seems to be unhappy with the Ukraine win. 
Um, no, um, no, you could say that perhaps music should be separate to politics or to war and devastation like that, that music should be just about the I, best song. I honestly, I honestly think it's, it's because it's Ukraine and it's because it's, you know, it's Russia. And considering the Eurasian event is a very LGBTQ event um, and considering how Russia doesn't really respect yeah, that yeah, yeah. area, I think that's so. The Eurovision became a message then, uh, and also uh, an opportunity of coming together against Russia and against war and the devastation. Yeah, and you, but you got to wonder: is the Eurovision Song Contest a place for that? Well, look, if music brings us together, and yeah. it's the one thing, and I mean, I gotta say, if anyone is, if anyone is even wondering about going to Eurovision, you should definitely, definitely go. Did it's you get the into the thing. finals? Sorry? Oh, Did no, you? we didn't go to the final, but and we didn't go to the village to watch it. We went, but the place was insane. Like, you could just watch it everywhere. And, like, it's the one place where you walk around with your flag on you because you just, uh, like, it shows people where you are and you meet everyone. Everyone just stops and chats and there's no, there's nothing. There's, like, it's just such a friendly and an amazing place to be. Like, it really is just outstanding to be there. And have you been a Eurovision nut for years and years? Oh, 100%. Absolutely 100%. This is my second time going. But, um, oh, like, and actually we were meeting, we met so many people over there and, like, coming back and we were all talking about, like, what's going to happen next year because I know Ukraine have said that they want to host it in Maripol but we're not too sure whether that's going to happen and that decision will have to be made in the next kind of two months for planning for next year. So then the conversation is about will it be held, where will it be held? Will it go to the UK or will it go to Poland? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Was there, were there issues with regards to irregular voting there was apparently six countries got their um, panel Azerbaijan Montenegro San Marino Poland I can't remember the other two Azerbaijan Georgia Montenegro Poland Romania and San Marino so the the voting the the company that basically checked the voting um they basically noted irregular voting, so they pulled their panel votes, not the text votes, the panel votes, the judge votes. Yeah. And they did, did, they did an aggregated vote compared, meaning they looked at countries of similar size, which normally do similar voting, and they did an aggregated result for those six countries, and their, the panel votes were removed from their countries. And did that affect us? No, 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 no. Right. It, was, well. it, was do- it was done well before us. What affected us was Serbia. I don't understand how that song did so well, but there but we go. But isn't it about countries voting for each other, right? Block voting. That's always been the, the criticism of it, right? Look, look you, you could say that about, like, you, you could say that about Western Europe, you could say that about Eastern Europe. I mean, the, reali- the reality is, like, whatever with the panel judges, it's the text voting that changes everything now. Oh, and it's text now. So, like, yeah. Well, you can, there's an app now, isn't there? There is. You have 23 votes. Um... But it's the text voting, which is the people. And we can't vote for our own country, which is fair enough. So it means other countries can't vote for their own country. But it's the text vote that changes everything. Oh, automatically. So it's the people speaking. I mean, to be honest with you, in the Iranian tonight, San Marino got such an amazing response. And so did we. We were convinced we were going through. Yeah, but why in the name of God would I get 20 votes? Why can't I just get one? I don't know. The app just gives you twenty votes. You can vote for twenty countries. Okay, but you don't. You can't vote for the same country twenty times. 
Uh, I don't think so. All right. Okay. And, and so. did Marty? Did Marty have anything to say about? Uh, oh, he was disgusted. <laughs> he was disgusted. Oh, he, he like we were like, what the hell? And he was like disgusted. He was like, I'm disgusted. She did amazing. We were like, I know. So yeah, no, he was. He was like, no, he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy, bunny like. But at least, we, yeah. Well, I mean, wh- when are we going to get into the finals of Eurovision ever again? When was the last time we were actually in the final of Eurovision? Uh, wasn't that. Hold on. Um, <laughs> it wasn't last year, was like, or the year before, was it? Oh, it was the song, Together. Um, when are we going to win it again? Oh, God. What's it going know. to take? What's it going to take to win it again? I don't know. Do we... Do we, do we I, don't, I, honestly, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We deserve to get through to the final. Like, we did. We did deserve to get through to the final. I'm disgusted um, that we didn't get through. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure, and um, to be honest with you, wonder what people. Like, I mean, I just you know, I know this was a huge hug for Ukraine. I get all of that. I really do. And there's going to be issues as to whether or not they'll be able to host it. Whether this bloody war is still going on next year. But you got to wonder about all of the countries who actually sent entries to Eurovision. Should they have bothered at all? Because it seemed to me as a fait accompli that they were just going to win anyway. Ah, uh, but look, come on! It's not about if you if you see if you if you actually saw it and saw the work that goes into it, and it's just it's not even just about like kind of the winning or whatever. It's literally the taking part, and I know that sounds very trite, but it is because it just brings every country together. And it it, it, it does, but it but it doesn't mean the best song won though. I would agree with you on that one. But, like, look, everyone, like, I have to say, everyone literally, when they announced it, even though we were surrounded by Spanish and surrounded by English and Swedish, um, everyone gave them a standing ovation and we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, fair yeah. enough. I understand that. You know what I mean? I understand all of that, yeah. But yeah. It's, it's the atmosphere and it's the fact that there's no, there's nothing to worry about. Like, everyone just gets on and it's just the most amazing atmosphere yeah. ever. Yeah, last time we won Eurovision was 96 with Ema Quinn, uh, the voice, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, it's yes, costing it's costing us over three hundred grand to send an entrant and a team to Eurovision. The lads did a poll apparently on Twitter saying, "Should we just not? Should we stay in or should we just pull out of it completely?" Sixty-one percent of people said, "No, it costs too much, and we shouldn't stay." Really? In. Yeah. Marty went over on a Ryanair flight. Didn't cost that much. And I know well, that because we well, were talking to him. Well, fair play so, to Marty. <laughs> you know. Well, there was another two hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and seventy euro spent somewhere outside of Mar- outside of Marty's thirty euro Ryanair flight. <laughs> 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 All right, when are you home? We actually arrived back last night. Oh, so, did you? Yes, yes. And so, can say big hello to Lindsay who went back to work this morning. Bless her. All right. And um, and what were yeah. you missing oh. last week that the lads had to find for you? Oh God! I'd ordered stuff from um, um, stuff to bring with me, clothing and stuff, and yeah, it had been in Cork since the twenty eighth of April. Was and it was, was it Eurovisiony kind of clothing? It was all, uh, literally everything was orange or red. <laughs> so I was like, um, yeah. So yeah. Look, there was a plan. What can I say, Neil? There was a plan. All right. Well, at least you got to wear the gear, didn't you? Absolutely, I did indeed. Oh, and by the way, I, I got given out to the last week about this. Can you please say a big hello to Abina in the Maldron Hotel, Shandon? I know you gave her a happy birthday message. 
morning, before. Abina. The Maldon Hotel in Shandon then, all right? Thank you so much, Lisa. Look after yourself. Thanks for taking the call, Lisa. Talk to you next no year about Eurovision, wherever it may be, Absolutely, all right? Absolutely, Neil. We'll make good it luck, good luck. Take Cheers. care. Take care. Bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. You Cork's better believe it. Red and you can text 0868104106. Want to say thanks to James Toomey from the Boys and Girls of Knockup because he shared with me a video from the Balancholic Bypass going west, you know, as if you're heading towards Ovens and McCroom Way. Uh, this isn't the first time that I've seen a car going the wrong way on a dual carriageway. James, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Man, this, that was scary because it's a very, very long clip. What's the backstory to this? Is it a, was it an SUV or what? Oh, it was an SUV, apparently. No, it's not my video. A friend of mine took it. I know that. Me, yeah, I know I, that. I revoked yeah. that way. Yeah. Well, he said it was a, a gentleman. He, he reckons he was a farmer, you know, dressed like a farmer with a cat and everything. Yeah. So apparently he came off. The, um, he's not sure where he came off. He came off on the Greyhound side track, the Greyhound track side of it. And he ended up just going straight on to incoming traffic. You saw the video. Like you, know? you can so actually, you can actually get off the slips or the roundabouts and down the slips onto the wrong way. Yeah, can you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I initially I posted it. I posted it thinking that he came in from the EMC side of it. Yeah. He came in from the crew because that, that's what I picked up off my friend. Because some years ago, myself, my wife were heading into Cork City because we live out in Ireland, and we were coming in that way. We were driving behind a blue um, Chikakinta. I think that's what they call him. Yeah. And this guy went right by EMC and took off down the other side. We were just driving next to him and trying to wave and beat him. But, but this one on Sunday, this was yesterday afternoon, wasn't it? That's right, yeah, about okay. 22. Okay. And are there cars flashing at him to stop? Yeah, well, no, to be fair, my friend's, my friend's talking over. I had to leave it because his, his language was choice, you know? Yeah. But, Can I imagine? So, yeah. <laughs> he was having them like, Yeah, but they were flashing him. I think apparently he, what he said at the end of it, there was um, an article he pulled in and stopped. It's in the clip at the end of it. He said he Saw stopped it. and he tried to get your man off. Yeah, yeah. I, I so, think it's I think it's when the big Arctic kind of veers and stops that the SUV yeah. guy then just re- actually realizes only then that he's going yeah, the wrong yeah. way on a dual carriageway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see where he was speeding. Then at one point he put the boot on. He was definitely going sixty seventy. You know, and, and he's exactly. in the fast lane. I in the fast lane. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, but. Um, yeah, it was mental. Like, um, like my friend initially said he thought your man was trying to commit suicide. Good he said, God. He said, he said he saw the Arctic on, on the thing. Oh, said, my God. Your man, that you never know, came that's, into that's my he, head for a moment. That's oh my. what he thought initially, you know, because that's when he, he goes off effing and swearing. I'm blaming you know, my F, you know, God, everything, you know. What happened? So, but, of course, uh, your, your buddy couldn't stick around because he's, he's, he's a passenger in a car that's moving. But, like, what happened? You don't know what happened next. Like, do we you don't know. So, obviously, like, like, my friend was next to him for a point. But he obviously slowed on because my friend passed him out then. You know, he went past him. You know? Have you ever seen but, that uh, before, Joe? Because I have. I, I came up against it once going to Shannon to catch a plane. You know the tunnel as you're heading for Shannon? I do. Yeah, a little, a little Nissan Micra. Came out of the tunnel against me, going the wrong yeah, way. I, I thought I was. Going, I nearly had a fucking heart attack. I couldn't believe this. And I could see, I could see the elderly woman in the driving seat coming against me. Yeah. I nearly died. You would, yeah. No, it's just, it's just scary. No, I, I've never, I've never experienced any of that. But like I said, that day with my wife, we were heading to town. This guy went up the wrong way. <laughs> we just couldn't believe it. But look, I, I don't know. Maybe it needs to be signposted better for maybe elderly people are, you know, I don't. Um, uh, tourists, you know. He didn't get a reg of that SUV or anyone. No, I mean, was he local or over? Maybe nobody a- got. No, he did. He did ring the guards. 
it's the same guy, you know. But um, I, I, I think a lot of people wearing the guards that day, you know, they're used to it. I don't know the outcome of it to be honest with you I'd love to know what happened to well, well I can tell you the outcome of it was that nobody was hurt or killed which nobody is a good was thing hurt. exactly mother exactly. of god almighty yeah. crazy yeah. stuff absolutely yeah because right. I, I, I had it up and there were people giving out about the recording and how you said that, that's all you got to give out about is it as a guy driving her potentially kill a wipe out a family and this is what you're arguing with me over ah, you, know, you mean you're going, you're going to get that I mean there's oh, always going are. to be criticism of people you know taking yeah. video clips and moving vehicles or whatever That's, I'm not here to be anybody's judge or jury here I'm yeah. just, I just want to talk about a story that could have ended up in the killing of a person Tragedy, or a family or, an, or a, family, or, yeah. or a exactly. multiple crash with multiple injuries that was avoided absolutely without a doubt well, thank God it ended well anyway so. alright James appreciate it my man thanks for no, that no, no, thanks uh, yesterday you afternoon you would have, you'd get the I mean you'd get such a fright wouldn't you if you came like a, it happened to me and I never forget it at the time you know I was talking earlier on this morning about uh, about car rentals um, there's so much choice now with regards to rental and ca- rental car rentals overseas, but you have to be very, very careful. I mean, it's very expensive here now. I was telling you there's a, a lack of stock because a lot of car hire companies sold off all of their cars because nobody was hiring cars during the during the pandemic when everything was shut down. They, they, at least they're saying now that's why they've got so expensive as a shortage of it. But if you go overseas, there are so many choices now. Uh, for car rental you can go for the big guys your Avis and your Hertz and your Europe car and and things like that or you can go for the smaller companies where you get it much much cheaper you have to be very careful with the smaller ones because they put all sorts of different uh, little um, sidebars on the policy the amount of you know kilometers that you can drive you know the uh, extra insurance that they want you to take and all that kind of thing but you can if you're smart about it uh, get to rent a car for 80 or 90 euro for a week. And that could be in Spain or Portugal or, as uh, so the case was me, was, was, was in Spain. Um, but I saw a very sad thing happen, actually, uh, with uh, a, a couple, man and a woman from Scotland when I got into uh, Alicante Airport last week. I was picking up my car for the first time. Uh, I went with um, one of the, the smaller companies, right? Um, gold. G-O-L-D, because a buddy of mine told me, you know, that, you know, that there's different things you can do to get the, keep the price down. One of them is to take out X. If you're heading off on your holidays, this may be of interest to you. Um, if you're going overseas and you're going to be renting a car, you can take out an insurance policy that will cost you 50 euro a month. Sorry, 50 euro a year to take out. Uh, it's an excess that you pay for. It's a premium of 50 euro a year. Um, and you pay the 50 euro and it covers you for 12 months in all car rentals. So if you have a bang or if you have a crash or you scratch the car or whatever the case may be, and the car insurance company starts to give you grief and wants to keep your security deposit, and in some cases that could be upwards of 1,200 euro that they lock in on your credit card. You know, that's a lot of money. Um, the excess policy that you have for 50 euro a year will actually pay that out to you. They'll refund it to you. So I think it's a great it's a great thing. Very handy. So it takes that worry out of your mind. But I was getting a car, uh, and next to me in the next window, uh, this chap came up with his wife. I'd say they were I'd say they were kind of sixties, you know, in their sixties. And he arrived up at the window and he says, um, I'm here to collect the car rental in a Scottish accent. Uh, and the woman behind the counter went, did her thing and was checking it out and came back to him and said, Sorry, um, there's a four hour window to collect the car. And your four-hour window has passed. So, in other words, no car. He's looking at her, he's saying, uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I tried to change the day. I tried to change the time 
on the online and I couldn't do it and I tried and I tried and I tried. And she said to him, the problem is you booked with uh, a different agency in the sense that he went through a third party website to book the gold car. Um, and that third party didn't tell gold that the time had changed for his car pickup. So he arrived something like six hours too late and she said, sorry, no car. So he's standing there just having got off the plane. So he says, she said to him, the only thing I can do for you now is I can get you another car. Rent another car. So he said, how much would that be? Uh, so you know, Wendy, she did her thing, checked it out and she came back to him and said, um, for the two weeks, it will be 540 euro. And he nearly collapsed at the window and the wife nearly had a heart attack at the window. She just went white because they clearly hadn't budget for that. So the money that they had spent was now gone. The car was gone and they had to pay another 540 euro to get another car. Um, so they said, no, uh, we'll let it go for now. And I saw the two of them walk away. I felt awfully sorry for them because they walked away across the airport uh, floor and sat down on one of those seats that you can sit to wait for a flight and they just sat there completely dejected wondering what in the name of God are we going to do next I don't know what happened with them what happened next but the problem of course was that they I think they they booked with uh, you know one of those uh, travel apps or travel websites that you can get onto uh, go to Spain or, or something like that and booked through them and that got linked then to go gold car and by the time it got to gold car of course um, you know the the third party company had kind of done their own thing and weren't interested anymore and they couldn't change the booking so they were big, big out of money so you need to be careful about that I thought it was unfair of gold though that even in spite of the fact that they were beyond the four hours they couldn't have given them another car I mean they paid for it anyway so one of those things you need to be worried about and one other interesting thing it's all about issues on, on public transport you know whether it might be a train or a bus or a Lewis or things like that um, and one of the issues they're having <laughs> One of the issues they're having, apparently, in Ireland is um, fare dodgers. I only mentioned that because I was in France in Nice last the week before last. Um, and if you've ever, if you're planning to go to Nice or if you have been there and you've got on the trams there, you buy the ticket, right? So you buy your ticket and it prints the ticket at the tram stop. You get on the tram. And then you have to validate the ticket. Don't ask me why. You've bought the ticket. That should be enough. I get it. But you have to get on the tram. You have to put it into this machine that goes clickety-bah, clickety-bah. And then you have the ticket validated. So I forgot to do that, right? So I mean, two tickets cost me one euro fifty each, three euro. Forget to do it. Coming from the airport. Um, two stops later, the train, the tram stops. And on get six, right, uniformed Tram police. <laughs> Checking tickets. <laughs> so, everybody's handing the tickets and I hand my ticket and hand the jury. He says, not validated, he says to me. I said, no, I bought the ticket. He says, not validated, machine. You must validate. I said, oh, I'll, I'll do it. Oh, no, no, he says, no. It's too late for that, he says. You must get off at me at the next stop. So I said, oh. Anyway, tram stops at the next stop. Um, doors open. Uh, we get out, myself and Paula, standing on the platform, mortified with these uniformed tram police. They just looked like regular cops, except they didn't have guns. So um, started asking for um, identification, <laughs> started asking for passports, stuff like that. None of which I had on me, actually. And then said, it's 40 euro each 
fine. <laughs> we're tourists. Like, you give us a break, will you? We're tourists. I just, I just forgot to do it. I bought 40 euro each. So I said, come on, there's got to be some better way of doing this. Like, let me offer the warning. He said, I tell you what, he say, I tell you, he says, what we'll do is we'll call the police, <laughs> French police. You know what I mean? Messing with them fellas, like, they do have the guns. Like, they don't take any prisoners if they come along. He says, we call the police, he says, uh, and then you go to a police station, but the fine will go from 40 euro each to 260 euro each. We're not validating a tram ticket. So I gave him the 80 euro and put a lesson down to experience. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. And uh, you can text 0868 104 106. You can always email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. I want to say hi to uh, paramedic James McCarthy, who retires after 30 years as a paramedic. There's a lovely story making the echo today, talking about him and his time uh, with the ambulance service. He joins me by phone. James, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? They also, they also tell me that you're going to miss one of the definite perks of the job, being able to dodge any traffic on your travels or your way to work. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, going to miss all that. <laughs> Where did you start? I started in the ambulance service in September of 92, down in Mill Street, my first place to go. Yeah, Never knew but, where it was. Yeah, but before that, were you portraying at the A&E? Yeah, I, I, I worked in um, the CUH, I started there in February of 83, and I probably worked in every department really, and I worked in the accident and emergency, I worked in theatre, I worked all over the hospital. It was, uh, it was probably a good learning curve for going into the ambulance service, yes. So as a young fella then, you were kind of looking at the ambulances saying, oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind driving one of those, is it? Exactly, exactly. Well, I knew all the guys in the ambulance service at that stage, because, you know, you get to know them coming in and all that, and... You know, I, I just thought it would be a nice kind of a change from from the portering side. So I went to boat, you know. So I went up to a man. Now he's got, he's dead now, God rest his soul, Dan McCarthy. And I asked him how I get in. And he said, look, first of all, you'd have to get the license. So I had to get a lot of driving lessons from Declan O'Brien. What's, like, what's that like, say, for instance, a license requirement to drive an ambulance? Well, nowadays you need a C1 license. It's a, it's, I suppose it's you know um, a minibus license. Really, that's that's the minimum requirement to get in there. Um, so everybody, that's that's the first step you'd have to go. Really, you know, you have to have the license. You won't get in otherwise. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure there's an awful lot more mm. to it than that, though. I mean, there must be a lot of training. Oh well, nowadays there is like it's a three-year training program now. Like for the first twelve months, you're actually you know in the college training and. Then you go out as a, a recruit out on the road, you know, but just still training for the next two years. And what was so it 30 it years ago? What was it like 30 years ago? Well, I did six weeks up in Dublin and on my way then down the road and, you know. So it's much different now than it was back then. In, in, uh, when I went up training in 98, um, they started a new kind of a paramedic training program, but it, it took six weeks. So I was up in Dublin for six weeks and... Um, sent back down then and, and doing relief around all county stations. There's a lot know. more involved in so, it now, whereas back in the day, 30 oh, exactly. years ago, you were yeah, quoted yeah. in the Echo as yeah. saying that common sense and a level head is what you needed. Well, that's 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 needed in every job still I take now, and need, yeah. you know what I mean? But yeah. but but it's but it's still still the base, you know what I mean? If you look, you know, a lot of our work is common sense really, you know. Um, we're not out there, you know, saving lives every day, you know, I mean, people think when I tell, you know, over the years, people used to say to me, you know, that, oh, I couldn't do a job like that, thinking like that, we must be out there, you know, 
putting bodies out of cars every day of the week. But still a lot of our work is medical cause and a lot of elderly patients, they say, oh, you know, you comfort them more than anything else in the back of the ambulance and, you know, just tell them that they'll be okay and, you know, and just talk to them, make them comfortable. You know, I know, I know, but I, I get that that it takes all sorts of different, uh, you mm-hmm. know, there's all sorts of different life scenarios as to why people call an ambulance. N- not always for the right reasons, though. I was reading the article you saying that you travelled from Castledown Bear to Bandon for a fellow with a headache. Was it? Well, yes, but look, that just we get half our calls are, are you know, are probably not ambulance, ambulance calls, related so. calls. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not. You know, I mean, you don't have to pay for an ambulance, so people just call us. You know, I think there should be a, a, a bit of a charge, but anyway. I'm not, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. anybody can call an ambulance. You get there, then. Oh no, no. You know, I don't want an ambulance. Somebody else is after calling for somebody. They don't want it. You're after travelling, especially in the county areas. Oh, for God's sake! You yeah. know, a long way because you know. Yeah. And um, yeah. Castletown Bear was probably one of the furthest destinations from you know from the city. So, you know, and if the other ambulances were out, you get called out, and and uh, you know, and you yeah. know when you're going out to this call, you're you're, you're leaving an area wide open. Just no other, you know, the Bantry ambulance is up in Cork and the Skibbereen ambulance is up in Cork. So, you know, you're saying, well, you know. You just have to take it in your stride, don't you? There's nothing else you can do about it. Well, you do, yes. There's nothing else you can do, you know what I mean? We get our, our, you know, from controlling. We just have to go and do what we're, you know. But um, it's a shame, really, that people do abuse the ambulance service at times because people that genuinely need it then. And you do hear of cases sometimes where, you know, when you... When you live in areas, you know, as remote as Castletown Bear and these places, you hear of people that were looking for an ambulance and they were waiting, you know, an hour or two for the ambulance. You know, I, I, you know and, like that. And, they're, ver- and they're very valid calls. But why, why isn't there a system where, you know, that ambulance control or base would say to your man with the headache, I'm not sending an ambulance for you. You have a headache. Go to the chemist. You know what I mean? Come yeah, I don't, know that, I don't know the answer to that question, but I don't think they can. I think everybody, you know, everybody's entitled to an ambulance. And I take it if you ring for an ambulance on a 999 line, you know, you're going to get one. Oh, it's, it's not, it's no, not kind of, it's not checked as to whether it actually is a valid ambulance call that requires an ambulance or not. It's just sent. Yeah. No, yeah. they are triaged and, and there would be, you know, you might get it straight away, but you will get it eventually, you know. And you the know, problem, I suppose, is that, that the longer they're waiting, they, you know, they'll get it eventually. Yeah. Do you know what I'd love to nail? What, how, are you uh, guys, how are you guys with the, the, the rules of the road? Because I, I, I heard years ago that you have to follow the same rules of the road as everybody else. Is that right? Yeah, well, I think we can. Well, I think we can. We can park on double yellow lines, and we can even break the speed limit. But we never. We, you're not given that in writing. You know what I mean. You are expected to to stay within the rules of the road. No, I don't think there's any guard if you're bringing a patient off the hospital and you're you're, you're going, you know, 110 miles an hour up or something like that, 110 kilometres that they're going to, you know, do anything to you. But we are we are governed by the rules of the road. We drive under our own licences. So um, yes, you know. So you know, and everybody should take that into consideration, really. Yeah. That, uh, are you know, people are you know, know are people still as courteous over the years now as say thirty years ago for getting out of the way of an ambulance when it's driving in an emergency? Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. No, some people don't. Some people have on their radios and maybe you know occupied somewhere else and they don't know what you know what I mean. And of course, there's a lot of elderly people on the road and they wouldn't. Their hearing wouldn't be as sharp as when you were younger so you know but mostly but, but everybody yeah I, I I could never say that I had a, a massive problem with they'd anybody they'd all pull in to the way. left as it was they'd all and, pull in yeah, yeah they would they would yeah yeah yeah. they're very good in fairness they, you know the public are very good that way mm. 
Are there any particular incidences or memorable experiences that you had? I mean, clearly you must have done an awful lot of life-saving calls. Oh, yes, of course there is, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, and there is, there are, there's always the cases that will, you know, that will come back to you and you'll think about, you know, and obviously I can't talk about those cases because it wouldn't be fair on yeah. the, the yeah. people involved with their families. But, of course, there is. You don't go through 30 years of, you know, a job like the ambulance service and not get your, you know your cause but there's as many good causes as there is ones that will stick out you know the majority of our cause are probably good cause where we get the people to hospital and you know and, and there's a good outcome and you get them there um, on time was there a story oh, of, yeah. was there a story of a blaze down in in Castletown Bear Hospital in <laughs> 2014 was there there was yeah yeah well yeah myself and my partner Ray McCarthy who I was working with for the last 11 years um, we were on duty on New Year's Eve of that night, and we have we were having a quiet night so far. And Ray decided at twelve o'clock to go out and um, have a look at the fireworks because there's always a fireworks uh, display from the pier in Castletown Bear. Yeah, and um, and I'm sure you know without anybody thinking they were going to do anything wrong, they used to leave off flares more so than fireworks. And and Ray just thought that this flare came over quite low, you know what I mean? And he, and um, so he went out, he went around, and he saw that the roof of the the flare was after landing on the roof of the hospital. So he came in and called me because I was inside and uh, we went out and we noticed that, yes, this flare was burning away through, you know, through into the, the, the rafters of the hospital. Oh my God. So, um, you know, so obviously the fire brigade was called and um, so myself and Ray had to kind of jump into action and grab a few tables and chairs and get up and get, there was a, a hose out in the yard and got up there and trying to out this and fire, you know, but it, it actually went through, um, it went through the, 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 the lead Valley and, and started burning the rafters. I think it could have been a lot, lot worse. I heard that. Really I heard that actually. It. That if you hadn't spotted it or mm. intervened, there could have been upwards of thirty patients who could have lost their lives in that place. Well, there was there was thirty patients inside her at the, uh, on the night in question, and uh, you know, and, and in fairness for the nurse that was on Susan Power, and and uh, I, I can't remember who was the attendant, but they, you know, they had everything ready to go. That if they, we had to evacuate, and I think. It was quite close to it because the, the, the fire was actually getting down into the roof. It was the the the, the, um, the timber rafters were on were on, on on fire at this stage. By the time the, the fire brigade came, we were trying to keep it at bay as best we could. But every time you put water on it, it would just come on again. These flares Amazing. don't go out that easy. They just keep burning. So um, yeah. they just keep burning, you know. So um, yeah, it was a there was a lot of excitement that night. I can tell you. Yeah. You got it under control, in fairness yeah, no. to you. But you're a young man at 60 We're, to be retiring. I mean, what are you going to do? Did little birdie tell me you're getting rid of the ambulance, <laughs> but you're getting a camper van? Is this? Well, that's the plan anyway. We'll see how that goes. But, um, and, you know, the ambulance service is a, is a, it's a, it's a fantastic job, and I wouldn't have wanted to have done anything else with my life. I really enjoyed my days in the ambulance service. But I think, like other services, maybe the guards of fire, I think the ambulance service, when you're 60, there's very long days involved because you just don't know when you're going to get your last call and that call could take, you know, waiting times in hospitals and everything. So, you know, our days were 16, 17 hour days, uh-huh. a lot of them. And I found, I found that a bit brooding at, at the end. So I just thought if I want to have, you know. 16, 17 very, hours these days? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, yeah. Is that even, that is be, that even safe, know, that, James, though? Is that even safe? Well, I didn't think it was, but I don't know how the, how you can, you know, if you get a call, at, you know, 11 hours into your day, we do an eight-way day, we say, and if you get a call at, you know, in Castleton, we're at seven o'clock in the evening. You're and committed. You have to go somewhere. You're committed. That's it. You're committed and you have to do it. 
and um, and I just found it very tiring having to drive back, you know, back down the road at, you know, maybe eleven or twelve o'clock at night to get home at one in the morning or something. And our um, thought should be so, with paramedics and uh, those uh, behind the wheels of an ambulance then, because they are long hours. Yes, you know. So, so yeah, and then you could have an ambulance. I hear of ambulances coming from Clare to do a car call or a tip one coming to Cork or a Cork one going to yeah. Waterford and all this kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah? Yeah. And that seems to be more prevalent now than it was years ago. We would have never, you know, it was rarely for a matter of fact, I'd say that Cork ambulances even went into Kerry. But now you could be covering Kerry all day long, you know what I mean? I mean, I've heard of a story actually of um, an ambulance coming from Donegal that was had to go down to Limerick and then they got a call in Limerick and had to come to Cork. So an ambulance from Donegal ended up down in the CUH. Ah, oh, man, that's so now, destroying. That would be a rarity. That would be a rarity, but it can happen, you know what I mean? And, it, and, and it's nothing now for ambulances in Cork to be covering the South East, you know. Is it hard then to get people to take up the challenge of the job as a paramedic or an ambulance driver, part of the crew? Is the less um, people want to do it? That, well, they say it is, you know what I mean? They, 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 I don't think, you know, I mean, they are trying to recruit people and... Um, and it is a fantastic job, don't get me wrong, you know what I mean? But there is long hours and you have to be prepared for that, um, you know. Now, well, that might get easier as time goes on. Maybe they might get in more people and they might be able to solve that problem. But it seems to be a problem that's there for the last couple of years where um, before, like, if you were, you know, if you were North Cork, you cover North Cork, if you were. I know, North, yeah, and that West was your Cork, patch and you stuck to it. It made an awful yeah, lot more sense to, to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, the, the camper van is primed and ready to go. Uh, will they let you put a blue light or a siren on the top of it as you... No, uh, I asked them, but they wouldn't allow it. <laughs> <laughs> thought, I, thought after 30 years now, there might be a bit more of light in, but no, they wouldn't do it. give you a blue light at least, no? <laughs> so I'd have, have to sit there with everybody else. <laughs> no, we'll just wait my turn. <laughs> well, listen, enjoy, <laughs> the, enjoy the rest and enjoy your retirement and thanks for your service. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. You're welcome, Neil. Yeah, Take it was care, a pleasure. Jay. You know, it was a pleasure to serve to serve the people of Cork City and West Cork as well over my years. Uh, listen, yeah, yeah, you I couldn't really have summed it. it up better than that, pal. Well said. Yeah, Look after yeah, yourself. Yeah. Regards to you and your family. Okay, all Neil, right. Thanks Cheers. For the call. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Paramedic bye-bye. James McCarthy, who retired. Uh, this week. Uh, text 0868104106. We're back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. And to the phone lines we go. And a lot of texts on this as well. I know the lads have been touching on cost of living increases last week. Eileen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Are you feeling it in every aspect of life? We certainly are. I think everybody is, is feeling it um, as, as the weeks go on. Um. I suppose I commented on the post that was on your Facebook page earlier today because... Post being, um, and this was the post. How is the cost of living affecting you and your family? According to the latest stats, they talk about inflation, they talk about energy, fuel, food, highest now in 22 years, meat, bread, cereals, cheese, eggs, all up in price. People are dipping into their savings now, their nest eggs to pay their bills. They're choosing between food and heating the home. That kind of stuff, wasn't it? Definitely, yes. Um, and again, as I said, everybody is being hit, but um, in, in my experience here locally, I'm living in Castle March in East Cork, and it is like the majority of working families that are being hit, where both or one parent is out working, um, and it's just never ending. You know, the, the increase of fuel um, going to and from work, 
the cost of childcare. Um, there's talks you now of increases in property tax, mortgage inflation, everything. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's middle-income earners that are, are getting the brunt of it. Um, so what I was saying is every single year we have, have media reports in relation to school costs. This year, I think, is going to impact on people more than it ever has. Um, with little or no intervention, again, from the government. When you're adding up the cost of school, this is a school-going child going to primary or secondary, is it? That's correct. Well, okay. both my own children are in primary school at the moment. Okay, because Zurich um, said, you're telling me that Zurich said that it's, uh, it's 1300 a year in a survey they did, is it? That's correct, and it's, it's increased by €200. Euros. So that, that survey would have covered the school return of last September, September 2021, and it had increased by €200. Euro. So for September 2022, um, what are the costs that we're going to see increasing? 1300 per child, is it in primary? Between primary and secondary, um, as I said, I can give a kind of a brief down break. Would you mind? If you wouldn't mind doing that, yeah. Yeah, that's sure. So for my children, um, the uniforms, they are crested uniforms. You know, they're not the non-generic items that you can buy in Dunn stores or anywhere else like that. Should be. They have both a formal uniform and a tracksuit. So per child, for one one tracksuit and one formal uniform is about approximately 140, 140 euro per child. So that's um, what's that? Is that a is that let's say is that a pants, a jumper, and a yes, shirt? So it, it's it's a pants. Um, fair enough. You can buy the trousers. They're grey, so you could buy them in Dunn stores or Marks and Spencers or whatever. You have a, a crested jumper, and um, that can only be purchased in one shop in Middleton. Right. You have a red shirt, um, which can't be a red shirt can't be purchased in any outlet in Ireland. A red shirt. Um, a red shirt. Yes. So okay. those shirts range from thirteen euro up to 17 euro depending on the size okay okay so 140 a child okay about 140 is that including shoes no no so that's literally just the uniform so you can then go on to books because our school has a partial book scheme but there's still certain books that need to be purchased which would be once only workbooks and now again i know the department of education had issued instructions to all schools that schools that workbooks shouldn't be used but a lot of schools continue to use are workbooks things that the kids write in that's correct but they can only be used once right so some of the books are on a work are on a book rental scheme those ones the workbooks wouldn't be because they yeah they've they've already been written in yeah okay go ahead yeah so then you're looking at shoes and so as i said children are going to go through quite a lot of shoes during the year so you're going to need one pair of shoes for the formal uniform their runners for their tracksuit day, so I suppose you can average that at about ninety euro, um, roughly. I would think. Um, I wouldn't pay ninety. I wouldn't pay ninety euro on shoes myself. Surely, be regarding a cheaper shoes than that. Well, for for suitable runners and shoes for children, that that would be kind of the going the going rate, thirty to forty euro for waterproof shoes, runners, okay. and, and okay, shoes. okay, I'm listening. Yeah. So then you go on to the the infamous voluntary. Um, contributions that, that families are, are required to pay. Um, again, voluntary is the word, but quite often they're not. But what we have seen, um, especially last year, is that voluntary contributions are being tied into book schemes. So if you don't pay the contribution, you don't get the book. How much is the contribution? Um, our school will range from anything from 50 up to, so I suppose over the years, 
Um, my children, for my children, I've paid 60, 65, 40. Again, it depends on the class that they're in because these contributions will include things like art and craft, pupil insurance, photocopying, a homework journal, which again is, is a completely pointless item as far as I'm concerned. You'll have online programs and things like that. So that's what the... And if you don't pay that contribution, you don't get the book scheme. Okay. All right. That's what a lot of schools are doing now. Okay, so we're, we're, we're adding up nicely there. Go ahead. So, um, as I suppose then, you have your, your coats and, and your school bags and things to get, to get the children back to school. Again, they'll vary. Um, I suppose you could put 50 euro down there per child for sundries like, or like things like that. Um, and I suppose if you go into the day-to-day running costs, an average of 250 per child per lunch over 183 school days that's roughly about 450 460 but you got you have to feed them anyway like but i know i know what you're saying you know if if you're putting i just i suppose that's where the zurich um survey they added that in yeah okay yeah they would have added in the cost as i said it's not something that would impact on on me here where my children tend but the cost of school buses are transporting children to school that would be um, something that would also be added in. So that's where Zurich are getting their their, their fifty thirteen hundred per primary child, yeah, yeah so per year. Then yeah. you're looking at um, so like clothing, lunches, food. books, school supplies, uh, voluntary contributions, shoes, mm-hmm. transport, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They come in at a lifetime cost to a primary child, a mother or father, whatever the case may be, ten and a half grand for primary per child. Per, oh yeah, per, per child. child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, so, um, and again, as I said, every single year we visit this, um, but nothing is happening. Um, in East Cork here, as I said, you know, we have a good community. There's, there's a lot of community groups. Um, two local ladies started a, a back-to-school campaign. And again, it's just a Facebook um, platform where people can kind of donate items that they're finished with or they don't use. Um, I know that local Cork charity, Feed Cork, they do stationary packs. For, for families who need them but really the National Parents Council um, and the Department of Education really need to, to pull their socks up here um, the National Parents Council are supposed to be a representative group for parents they're paid by the government every single parent in every single school is paying to be part of a National Parents Council um, group if, if the school parent association chooses to affiliate with them but there's continuous silence from the National Parents Council. Is, is um, it time, do you think, to just get rid of all school uniforms and the pressure that they bring? Or would yes. getting... But think about this now. If you get rid of school uniforms, you get into the fashion police where kids are looking well, at each other's styles of, I don't and criticizing with, somebody because they don't have the latest runners or, or the funkiest, you know, pair of trousers or jeans or what have you. No, I definitely don't think it's time to get rid of school uniforms. School uniforms, as you said, for all of those reasons, are brilliant. But we need to get rid of this historic... Like, the majority of schools, they have the same school uniform for 30, 40, even 50 years. You know, the days of needing crested... What is the need for crested uniforms? What is the need for items that can only be purchased in one single yeah, shop? Yeah, why not just buy the crest? And also, no disrespect well, to I'm not naming need, any school. I'm not, yeah, I'm not naming any schools on this, but some of the colours of some of the uniforms are atrocious, aren't they? Horrendous. 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 Sports, sports jackets and rain jackets that are needed. What, what's the need for it? You know, we constantly 
hear and fully, I fully agree with schools and principals who are underfunded by the state. Yes, they completely are underfunded. But it's the families that are constantly being hit okay, to okay. cover the cost. Well, thank you for drilling um, in. Thank you for drilling into the academic side of it and the cost. But can I just ask you, how, how has life changed in your family with regards to coming in on budget and paying bills? What other changes have you had, have you had to make with regards to light or heat or fuel or food or, or indeed luxury items and things? Any? Well, definitely, you're dipping into your savings, and I don't. If you if you're lucky enough to have savings, um, like for for working parents, it really isn't really worth it at the end of the week or at the end of the month when you're getting the paycheck going to work because you know what's the benefit? You're better off staying at home. The more you work in this country, the more you're penalised. Yeah, um, have you had and, to and, have you had to relook at things like? worries about, about Christmas or, or birthdays or family yeah. get-togethers or holidays. There's always going to be something, yeah. And like, as I said, we need local politicians and local councillors. We've one local councillor here in East Cork, Councillor Danielle Toomey, and she's always vocal um, for families. But, you know, governments and, and TDs, and as I said, the National Parents Council, I'd love if you would invite one of the National Parents Council mm-hmm. representatives to come on the air um, so that we can actually get an understanding of what exactly they are doing for families and children in school. And I have bad news for you, if you didn't already know it, but the cost of petrol and diesel has started to climb again. It's That's now right. back up again. You're just under the two euro again now. It had dropped down into the 180s, back up again, and it's destined to keep rising, apparently. And mortgage costs, again, as I said, and I spoke to you previously about um, derelict properties. We've we've local authorities now considering increasing property tax, yet ignoring the ever growing issue of derelict properties. And you won't be surprised you know, when I tell you that Cork City Council. I know it doesn't cover you because you're on the county, but the amount of money they cl- collected in fines for derelict properties, uh, it's tiny. It's absolutely exactly. tiny. I mean, and it, there's a whole lot of money that both Cork County and Cork City Councils can tap into there. But again. It's because who owns these buildings. That's why they won't get go near them. So it's always going to be the middle class, the working class, those who don't have time to go out and protest. Yeah, I know. We're the people that are going to get hit constantly. Yeah, busy getting up in the morning, as the fellow says. Yeah, I heard that and one keeping before. A, yeah. keeping, keeping a roof over our heads. Thanks, Ali. Let me do some text Thanks. on this. Text 0868 Appreciate it. The lady I'm with, Neil, now talking about voluntary contributions from my school, my child's school. It's... 250 euro. That for us is a huge expense. And I mentioned that, is that voluntary contribution then per child then? I mentioned it probably would be. Yes, that lady is probably finding it tough, but come on, you can buy good Nike runners in Elvery Sports online. Buy one and get the other at half price. I did it for my twins in fifth class. I got two pairs for 40 euro. You just have to be clever and watch for bargains. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Jim, good morning. Hey, how are you, boy? Welcome Good, my back. man. Thank you, thank you. Nice to be back. What's on your mind? Uh, just, we're just on about properties there and the price of properties and the young people not being able to afford a home. And I, I just felt that maybe there's a government um, policy here to make sure that people stay in rented properties. Um, if you work out, which, uh, if the average house is 400000 and you have a mortgage, and we say, for instance, that costs you 600000 in the life of the mortgage over the 30 years, like the bank doesn't pay, pays very little tax in that because they reinvest that money in. So very little goes back to the exchequer. But if you're on the same property, paying the same amount of money in rent over the same period, um, like that's 620,000 or something like that, half that 
at least goes back on tax. So does it pays the government out to keep everybody renting. Like the, the government want to be mad now for people to buy houses. There's so much money in it for them, you know. And uh, this money isn't even ring fenced then to go back into. So if you're renting a four hundred thousand euro property. Uh, as opposed to owning it, or there's no property. tax. There's or no tax. Property. There's no tax in the owning of it. But over thirty years of rental, that four hundred thousand euro property will cost you six hundred and twenty grand. Oh, well, well, or, or approximately no on interest rates, and, and, and of which the government forward. take nearly half that in tax. Well, no, if the bank, if the bank, if you have a mortgage, and the bank is is, is lending the money to you, the bank will reinvest there their profit that they'll make off you and so the, the, yeah, but the so the point being that there's tax in it for the government for rental there's no tax in it for the government exactly for. exactly you know yeah. and and I suppose the other thing we want to really take notice now of is that the government are pushing ahead with all the social housing you can see it around the place right there's nothing but social housing schemes being built right and we're leaving behind all the young people again they're not going to be able to buy houses we've, we've ignored them you know we haven't even done a a building site. The council haven't put any plans together so that workers can even build their own houses. You know, um, even sites. There's a big site up here now in, in Blackpool. Six hundred and fifty houses going in there. All social housing. Crazy. We're forgetting about the workers. The workers are getting nothing. You know, the young people are getting nothing. So if you go to work in the morning, you're crazy. You won't get a house. So Stay the six hundred and fifty that are being built, who'll get them? Well, it's, uh, what, what you mean to say? Of course, you know well who'll get them. Ukrainians will get them for the start. Does anyone that, you know, that's, that's not working will qualify for us? Anyone that, it, it's social housing. It's, it's, if you're disabled, you get it. Well, most people will be entitled to it. That's the, that's the scheme. But it won't be workers. It won't be the girl that's working in Super Queen or Super, Super Max or any of them. It won't be the ordinary worker that's, that's, that's keeping the whole economy going. They'll get nothing. They won't be able to even raise a child. So are you, kind, are you, kind, of allu- you kind of alluding that the less you do in this country, the more you'll actually get as a reward? Is that a surprise to you? Um, no, it's, it's, it's not a surprise, but I just find that it can, it, that can be a very generalised comment, you know. It, it, it's not one cap fits all. It is, it is what it is. You, 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 do know, you do know that a proportion of those people in social housing are working. They're on crap wages, but they are working. Exactly, I'm very aware of that as well. But there's, there's, there's a double issue there. The money is terrible. I mean, the minimum wage, this is happening with the nurses need. They're, they're double jobbing. We're losing nurses going abroad because they're doing two jobs here. And then they're expected to go to the, they're expected to go to work and, and give it 100%. They can't. What would you pay now for a, a three-bedroom semi um, in the suburbs or in a satellite village? You'd certainly pay... 320. Ah, uh, you paid 380. All day long, Glanmire, 380. I was looking at rental prices then because uh, I have some stats on how rent has gone up in the last 10, 10 years. There's a, a three-bedroom uh, semi-D on the Skahard Road now for rent for 210000 a month. Uh, the yeah. Model Farm Road, three-bed, uh, 2300 for rent. Uh, three bedroom in Black Rock, nineteen hundred and seventy seven. Rochestown, seventeen hundred and twenty nine. The Lock, a three bed, one bathroom, one thousand eight hundred and seventy five a month. There you go. There's nobody can no nobody can pay Isn't that. that so what you end up with? People will be splitting houses. You'll have one family upstairs and one family down. This is like something that was going on in the fifties in the slums in the city. The corporation and the, and the government has brought us right back to that. And they keep telling them we have a great heart. All the foreigners are coming in there. Look after your heart. Look after yourself and your kids. First. 
Yeah, but you know, you know that these foreigners that you go on with, they they're working here. And they're rent, they're rent, they, might be, they might be driving up rental properties because they are here, but they are working here and renting properties. My, my argument is that the government are making no effort, and the Irish, none, they're making no effort on the worker, the young worker, but they're making loads of effort on the foreigners. Loads. There's huh. no point you say to me every time that uh, we got to mind, mind the foreigners and they're working. So is the Irish. You, even, a, even to be fair, they'll get a 50-50 basis. We're not even doing that. For rental or for purchase? Or for free houses? Which? There's no poverty for everything, Neil. See, most of the kids are going back home to their mother and father. This is why there's properties coming up for rent. Look at, you You know, kids who are 25, they're going back, uh, even 30, they're going back. Or if they get married, they're going back to their parents' house. That's like... a silent crime. Like, uh, we're, we're in crisis in this country with housing and, and, and with the government and their response to the young people. There's a humanitarian crisis on houses here for our own Irish and it's been ignored by the government. Are we crazy? Look, the men are going to do nothing here unless the women get out on the street and stand up. They won't be able to feed their families or raise their families. The men are useless. It's up to the women to sort us out. Men are useless. Get women to sort it out. Okay. As, uh, there's an interesting by story to this, actually. You talk about um, uh, sons and daughters going back to live with parents. There's an article in the Echo today from OSS, you know, the one-stop uh, shop for domestic violence, Mary Curley's yep. organization. The Echo yep. article said that they are um, sending out a warning that the housing crisis is contributing to elder abuse because they're dealing with elderly people who are being subjected to very poor treatment at the hands of their adult children who've gone back to live with them. That's pretty frightening. Neil, makes a change from the government, don't it, Tom? I know, but it's... We we, we have a thing with care choice there, like where we put all people in homes and then the houses are empty and all all that's benefiting there is the government and the care choice homes. We all know it's a crime. No, I know that, but Deborah Flynn is saying that many parents are tolerating disturbing behaviour to avoid seeing their children end up on the street. They're just putting up with an awful lot of I don't know, grief, I suppose, living living in fear of their son or their daughter. It's terrible. It's terrible. That's not happening in my house. My youngsters keep hugging their mother. So All right, well, keep that up. Right. They don't keep, hug me. They don't hug me. But. Keep the hugging going. All right. Okay. <laughs> Never too late to start hugging your kids, Jim. Take care. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, Dave. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I was looking on Twitter there uh, yesterday, and I came across a really interesting thread when it comes to cost of living. And I will come back to some more texts on these. Just as an example of some of the texts, incidentally. No cash now for coal, so no heating on. No spare cash in my bag, so I can't pay the taxi to get to the bus that gets me all my medical appointments. Uh, The list is endless and the worry and the stress is even bigger. Uh, A lot of low days, and I know there are thousands like me, no money in the pocket. My friends who have cash, two cars and going on foreign holidays just haven't a clue what it's like for me. It's a different world. I, on top of everything, have serious health issues. Uh, Another one here. What little savings I had are just about gone. I make the same amount of money, but my costs have gone up 30% in the last year. Thank God it was a relatively mild winter as I managed to get by heating-wise. If we ever have a bad winter, I'm in big trouble. Uh, Morning. When When you can't afford to buy a chicken and bacon in Aldi, then you know you're in trouble. You know there's something wrong. And we've been shopping in Aldi for years through necessity. I came across an interesting story that was told yesterday. And I can't say for any 100% certainty if what the person was telling me was actually happening or not. But they claimed that in a supermarket, they witnessed a woman taking um, regular eggs out of the box and putting the free range eggs into the regular box 
to get free-range eggs at the price of regular eggs. I don't know whether that was just out of greed, meanness, um, or indeed necessity, but apparently it happened over the weekend in a Cork supermarket. With all that in mind and lots more besides, I'm joined by Katrina Redmond, uh, who's a food writer with the Irish Examiner and writes a blog called WholesomeIreland.com and is a member of of the Food Guide. And she was jumping in on a conversation regarding uh, cost of living and cost of living increases. And she joins me by phone. Katrina, good morning. Katrina, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Good morning. Thanks so much for taking the call. And and I read your thread with an awful lot of interest because, I don't know, did somebody actually at some stage say, if you're struggling with cost of living increases, buy own brand? They have. And I got to tell you, it got my goat. Isn't it very demeaning to say? It's like eat cake, isn't it? Well, there's the undercurrent, the underlying, underlying suggestion is that your predicament, your problem with not being able to afford your shopping basket is down to your poor budgeting and your poor shopping skills. And if you only went out and you bought own brand food, well, then it would all be sorted. But that's not the case. I mean, the cost of inflation is, is going through the roof and it's affecting families who have lower disposable income than everybody else. It's affecting them extremely hard. So they're already doing the own brand and shopping frugally and smartly. Absolutely. Like families who don't have a huge amount of disposable income, for whatever reason, be it mortgage, rent, the cost of childcare, the whole lot lumped in together and then having to put fuel in the car to get to work. Um, They are really, really becoming more and more hard pressed because these inflationary increases on food, on energy are affecting them worse. Um, If you think of it, I don't know whether it'd be easier to think of it like if you come home after tax with 500 euro a week. This and you need a full tank of car to get you full tank of fuel in the car to get you to and from work in the space of a week, so five days a week. This time last year, that full tank would have cost you about sixty five euro. This year, that tank costs you ninety eight euro. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of people don't have an increase. Yeah, in or or a one or a one way local transport ticket in two thousand and twelve <laughs> would have cost you one seventy. Now it's two sixty. Well, there have been some reductions in local in in, in local transport, but um, that's only a small drop in the ocean compared to the increase in the price of energy prices. So, you know, your heating oil, your heating gas, your electricity that you have to use to run the house—you've got to find the money for to pay that as well. And it's all coming from an ever dwindling pot because we're not getting pay increases. We're not getting increases in social welfare payments. And in particular for families who are living on um, payments like disability allowance and families who are, you know, depending on social welfare payments, where do you get the money? And the answer is, and the very short answer is, families are going hungry. And now the temperature has increased. We're coming into summer. Families aren't necessarily going cold. But if this is not resolved before we get to next winter, families are going to die from either cold or hunger. And that sounds absolutely stark and it sounds like I'm scaremongering. I'm genuinely not. This is something that I'm hugely concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, just on the issue that we started with regards to the branded and the own, and, and the unbranded or the own brand, there's very little difference in the product now. So there's not. I mean, if you, if you put a plate of each in front of me to eat, I wouldn't really know the difference. Like, it, like you, years ago, you would have avoided them because because uh, uh, now the ingredients and then are bad or they're it's just not made as well. But that isn't the case anymore, is it? Well, it, no, it isn't. And if you remember back in the day when Quinsworth brought it in, it was all the yellow pack, yellow, yellow pack, pack this shoes. and white can that. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. And it used to be very, very poor quality. And then as the German discounted retailers came in, Lidl and Aldi, that was when an awful lot more people started buying own brand food because they realised that the quality is pretty much the same. There's very little difference between the two. What's the difference between an own brand pint of milk and... Some suggest that some milk. suggest that the unbranded or the as you call it the yellow pack is watered down milk, and others believe that the flour isn't milled as well in the comparable bags. You know that kind of thing. Well, I like everybody has their own personal preference, but when it comes down to it, and you only have a small amount of money to feed your family for the week, all of those preferences, like it's not, it doesn't taste as good to me, or the flour isn't as good to me they don't even come into the equation when you're deciding how to feed your family because you've got to feed your family, you've got to find the food within the budget you've got. So you've got to go to the own brand. You don't have a choice. And often people would say, oh, well, you know, um, maybe I'm just not all that good at budgeting. Maybe, you know, I, I just can't get my supermarket shop down. But actually, when you don't have all that much money, you don't have a choice. You've do you got ever, to find a way to pay Do you ever off. study the trolleys, though, that particularly the ones that would be full of fast food or frozen or processed, which don't fill you up, incidentally, and you're hungry or a child will be hungry again, whereas a wholesome meal with ba- a lot of batch cooking, I don't mean to sound condescending, is really the way to go, isn't it? Well, I appreciate what you're saying, but the thing is, is that families who are living on a budget, they don't necessarily have the money or the equipment to cook. So, for example, the cost of a lasagna um, off of the shelf in a supermarket, while it might not be as good for you, and I agree, it is better for you to batch cook and make it yourself. The cost of it when it comes to the cost of running the energy to run your oven to heat it up and also the time it takes to cook it and the energy it takes to cook it, it's actually cheaper and it's more economical to take it off the shelf. And that's really where where families make these these decisions. Safe Food, which is the Irish Authority, you know, um, tasked with teaching us and helping us all to eat well, also say the same. So what they say is, Families make these decisions and they buy these foods because they don't want food waste. They want to buy food that they know their family are going to eat. You know, they can't afford food waste. So if they've got the choice between giving the kids a pizza that they're absolutely going to eat or maybe cooking them something else that they're possibly going to have to throw out because their kids aren't going to eat it. And They'll eat it if they're hungry, they used to say years ago, Katrina. And, and, I, and, 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 and I hear what you're saying, but I, this is a very, very emotive issue. Feeding your family is hugely, hugely emotive. And people feel passionately about feeding their family. And when you're on a budget, you get very little comfort from what you're doing. You get very little comfort from, you don't get to go out on activities. You don't get cinema trips. You don't bring your kids to birthday parties. You don't, because you A, you can't afford the birthday present. And B, you can't afford to reciprocate. Um, you don't go out for drinks. So often this comfort comes from comfort food. And I'd never judge a family for putting a couple of convenience items into the, in, into the supermarket trolley because at the end of the day, you're choosing to feed your family on a budget. Um, and, oh. and, and I know it is is better to cook from scratch and I agree it is but when you have very little space in your head 
when your your collar is pinned to the wall, when you don't have very much money, you get bogged down by something called mental load. So you're stressing all the time about money. You're stressing about clothing the kids. You're stressing about putting fuel in the car to get to work or maybe to get to the supermarket. You're stressing about paying the bills. Are we going to get evicted because I can't afford the rent? Is the bank going to come after me because I can't afford to pay the mortgage? And sometimes you get, and very often actually, you end up with this massive mental load where you don't actually have the space to think about cooking. I know, but the mental load is also important with regards to the food that we're feeding our children and it shouldn't be pizza and it shouldn't be chicken nuggets and it shouldn't be frozen food. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I agree that it because, is Because oh, you see that headline last week, obesity is now the new norm? Well, you see, this is all full of loading us all up with an awful lot more guilt. You're feeding your family on a budget. You're struggling to put the food on the table. So let's now load up more guilt. Let's load up families with worrying about obesity. Let's load up families with worrying about sustainability and higher welfare and more ethical foods, which is why, I guess, you mentioned that a reader saw somebody swapping out the free-range eggs for the regular eggs in the, in the box so they could get them for cheaper. Because when you're on a budget, higher welfare and ethical foods just... Don't even come. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not so. judging. There's probably a reason why, and it could have been out of. Yeah. Well, I mean, would it be out of necessity? If it was out of necessity, you go for the non-organic, wouldn't you? I mean, clearly, they're trying to tie one on. I suppose. Well, yeah, I would. I, I would. I would agree with you there. But what, all right. But I, the, but a real reality for me is you're saying that there are parents now who are not sending their son or daughter to a schoolmate's birthday present because they haven't got the price of the birthday. God. Absolutely. And, and and I know that that might shock you, but I'm saying that from a place of personal experience because seven years ago, before I started back up working as the kids got a little bit older, those are the decisions I was making. I, I declined every single birthday party invitation for my kids because I didn't have the money. How would you explain to it to them, Katrina, though? I just wouldn't tell the kids that they were invited or I'd say that we had something else on. And I felt absolutely dreadful. Um mortified uh, just absolutely like in a, in a really terrible place I'd hang back at the school gates from picking the kids up and see all the other mothers there and be fearful of going up to talk to them because they were so nice and they'd all want to go for coffee and I didn't have the money in my purse to go for a coffee because I had to keep the money for paying for whatever we needed in the house. My God. Um, and, and, they, and, and these are the decisions that families are making yeah. at the moment. And, yeah. I, and I don't want you to think, you know, that people are, you know, willy-nilly chucking pizzas and ready lasagnas and chicken nuggets and chips into, in, into, their, into, their, um, into their trolleys. But these are the kind of decisions that families are making. And when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about it from personal experience. Yes, I know. I've been there yeah. and I know what it's like. So a school trip somewhere would be would be a nightmare for many families, wouldn't it? Um, like some of them could yeah, be crazy ones school, skiing, skiing overseas kind of stuff. I don't know if oh, those days are. Send, they, they, oh, they're still going, and and they just wouldn't send them. They'd come up with the reason that the child couldn't go, and and they're big trips. But at the moment, we're into school tour season, and school tours are costing ranging between fifteen euro if you're going local to as much as fifty euro if you're going on a bus outside of the town, and. You know, that's a lot of money to come up with. And um, it's a one-day trip. And how do you explain to your child that they can't go on their school tour? So what practical advice, finally, can you offer then, having indeed been through many of the struggles that people are going through now? So uh, the first thing I would say is that there is strength in numbers. And I really feel that people should, should know, that one, that they're not on their own. And that people need to listen. And 
the first thing I want people to do is to contact their public representative and ask them what they're doing about this cost of living crisis. Because we're coming into the summer, as I said, heat is, the heat is coming up um, and people tend to be an awful lot happier in the summer. When we get and they'll forget to October, what's November, coming. Yeah. They will forget. Yeah. Yeah. When we get to, to October, November, that's when the crunch is going to hit. The price of food is steadily increasing I- incrementally, but in particular dairy over the last couple of weeks. I track this every week in the Irish Examiner in my column on a Saturday morning. So do check it out online. But the price of dairy has increased incrementally and all other prices are beginning to go up. So we need to be onto our public representatives hammering down the door saying, this is a problem, we need you to come up with a, a solution. Because the government have already admitted that their inflationary measures are not going to compensate us entirely for the rise of inflation. And as this continues, it's going to get more and more difficult for people. So that would be the first thing. Don't be alone and contact your public representative. Don't be afraid to tell them that, you know, tell them anonymously that you're struggling or tell them that somebody in your community is struggling. And I always say that your disposable income is what you depend on. So you might be living in a very very well-to-do area, but your next-door neighbour could be living in a lovely house, but they could also have, you know, they could be paying nursing home fees for a family member or Mm. childcare fees, a big mortgage. They could really be struggling just as much as somebody in a council house. It doesn't matter where you live. You could still be struggling. So offer help to your to your friends and, and neighbours. Don't even, you know, ask them if they're struggling. Say, listen, I'm going to the shop. Would you come with me? Can we carpool? Um, I hate going shopping on my own. Can we share these shopping vouchers? Mm, mm. Um, I'm batch cooking. How, how about we cook together? Or would you like to borrow my slow cooker for a couple of days so you could batch up a couple of things? Or um, do you want to drop the kids over so they can play in the garden? Mm. And that way your neighbour can you know, maybe taking time out to cook. A lot of that sounds like things that were done traditionally many years ago and were taken for granted. Do you ever wonder why the ESB made over a billion euro last year or board gash nearly 800 million and we're all going through this kind of stuff? I just, I I wonder, it's not just about the profits because, because, and, you know, that's how business works. Every business has to make profit. Everybody has to use energy. Everybody has to eat food. But I really wonder, you know, why we're in this position when the government has seen this coming. And and how it, I can't see a way that we're going to get out of this. And I'm so, so concerned about families in the next year ahead because I can see us heading into another recession. And personally, I really, really struggled during the recession exceedingly so and I don't want to see other families go through Well thank you for your honesty and your openness good to chat with you perhaps we'll chat in the future uh, Katrina Redmond food writer with the Irish Examiner you can follow her on Saturday's Examiner every single week text 0868104106 if you've got a contribution to make love to hear from you pick up the phone 0818104106 get it off your chest text the Neil Brinderville show now 0868104106 Red FM and I'll come back to those texts in a few minutes time so do text 0868104106 Eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Sarah, good morning. Can you hear me all right, Sarah? William. I just give you back, Sarah, there so she can sort out that phone line. In the meantime, I'll talk to Mary. Mary, good morning. Hi, Neil. Are you in trouble? Are you in trouble because of your bank account, which won't be your bank account anymore? Is it? Yes, I actually have a tracker mortgage with Ulster Bank, and I'm going to my regular bank the last, I say, two months, asking about it. Where are they going to be moving? Or I mean, they're closing down, but what bank will I be moving to? Yeah, because Ulster Bank and will go. And who's going to get their business? 
Well, I'm been told by one person in the Ulster Bank that it's supposed to be permanent TSB. Yeah. Then when I go back, they're saying they don't know yet. Now, so they exit the market as a bank here in September, uh, and your tracker mortgage will be protected, won't it? We don't know, because we got told that basically that not many banks take tracker mortgages anymore. So that's their problem. Like, they're saying that if permanent TSB take over the Ulster Bank, they're taking the normal mortgages. And what difference with, let's say it was a normal mortgage, because we're talking about cost of living at the moment, right? So this is very valid yeah. to you. What difference would that make to you with regards to mortgage repayments if you went from tracker to normal? Have you worked it out? Oh, it'd be half the price. I mean, it'd be double the price, sorry. i just say, like, some people might pay a tracker mortgage on, say, 100000 to 110 they could be paying 700 to 750 a month. But a normal mortgage, you could pay up to fifteen hundred a month, to sixteen hundred. That is a big step, like per one hundred thousand, it would double. Yeah. So on yeah. an annual basis, have you calculated how much that would be? So, like at the moment, for say about a hundred thousand, some people could pay seven hundred a month. But if that doesn't go ahead, like if we can't get our track of mortgage back with another bank. We could be paying up to maybe fifteen hundred to okay. sixteen hundred a month. Okay, okay, and which is double the price. And, and a lot of people have substantially more than a hundred thousand euro mortgages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if people have like two hundred thousand, they could be paying like going from maybe a thousand a month up to three thousand a month. And you is know? that a, is that? I mean, you're, are you justifiably worried that that might actually happen? Yes. Yes, indeed. Like, we're getting no information whatsoever. Like, I'm after phoning the Ulster Bank mortgage crowd and they're just saying, oh, you receive a letter in the post about it. I've been hearing back for the last, they say, two and a half, three months. I feel like I've gone from pillar to post. And, like, we were going to say, okay, like, everything's coming out of our Ulster Bank. Like, between the mortgage, our bills, house insurance, car insurance, etc. And then I said, okay, maybe we transfer them over to maybe... Bank of Ireland, AIB, but then maybe AIB mightn't take our track of mortgage, so we have to take everything back out, you know what I'm saying? If you lose the track of mortgage, it will do- you figure it will double your mortgage repayments. There's no yes. point call- calling permanent TSB and asking them, is it? Yes. Do you think there's any so point? You don't, you, did you try that? Well, we went, I went to the Ulster Bank and I asked them, but they said like, hardly no hardly no banks are taking on track of mortgages that we have to basically wait till Ulster Bank tell us it's the bottom line whether we get another track of mortgage I asked them then if we don't will the Ulster Bank pay some of the mortgage off they said they don't know and that will take time to decide so we actually don't know where we stand Neil would you be able to would you be able to continue to pay the mortgage if you lost the tracker no that's the problem like, that's the first reason why we got a track of mortgage, do you know? God, that's a serious worry, isn't it? I like, hope that like, like, say, if it was, just say, like, if it was 700, 800, and it went up to 1,000, yes, but I mean, like, not up to 1,500, 1,600 a month. That's crazy. That's double the amount we were paying. But can you, there's no way in this world as we live in now that you can just go to another bank because they're mad keen to get business banks and say to them, I'm happy to move my mortgage if you take over my mortgage from Ulster Bank as long as you give me my tracker mortgage. 
we're going to try that. But like from what I'm got told from the Ulster Bank, that not many not many banks are taking over tracker mortgages. That's the problem. Because as far as we know, permanent TSB is supposed to be taken over the Ulster Bank, but normal mortgages, but they won't take over tracker mortgages. Is what I'm being told. So I don't know where we actually stand. You must be very worried about that. It is. It is indeed. Do you know? Because there's clearly a worry that you could lose your home. Yes, yes. Okay. And like they had plenty of time to decide because, like, everybody knew they kind of decided this decision about a year ago, you know, and, like, we're going into the kind of June. I mean, I would have thought that legally you'd be in a very strong position, that this is a legal document that you signed. Mind you, you signed it with Ulster Bank. I understand that. But that it's Ulster Bank... If they want to walk away from the agreement that they have with you, which is a binding agreement, that they have to honour it when they give it to somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Well, we hope so. Do you know? But it's just at the moment, Neil, we're not getting nowhere with them. So. Okay. L- I'm let's just see. Like, could she actually make a phone call or. S- for sure and certain, I certainly will at midday and see if I can get some information on it. But also, you never know who might be listening, might be in a similar scenario to you, and might have yeah. some more relevant, updated information to share with us. All right? Yes, that'd be great. Okay, yeah. okay. Much appreciated. Okay, Mary, okay, take care for now. All right, cheers. Thank Anybody, any further time. information on that, going from a tracker with Ulster to another bank when Ulster Bank pull out? Um, are you hearing that you could lose the tracker mortgage? Anyway, text on that, text 0868104106. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, how are you, Neil? There you are now. I'm here. I heard you were very angry earlier on. You've calmed down a little bit, have you? Oh, I'm very angry, very angry. Welcome back, number one. Thank you, thank you. And we missed you. And what I'd like to actually say is I'm going to revert back to the man that was on earlier on and to say to him what he said is the pure truth. I'll make this very short. You're talking about Jim, is it? Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yes. I'd like to make this short and sweet. Why can't you have Michal Martin on to ask him directly what exactly is happening to our small isle, Isle of Ireland? This man appears to me to just, uh, he obviously wants to appear very, very superior in the EU. And obviously he's thinking of himself getting a nice job or becoming president of Ireland. I mean, this, this government is just a laugh. And why are the people of Ireland not getting out and doing something about the situation? And what, and what should we this, be doing something about? Is it the cost of living, is it? It's the cost of living. Why do we have a cost of living? Why are we so begrudging towards our own people and not giving them what they want? They're the people, the people of Ireland are paying the Irish government. We have a situation in this country whereby Michal Martin and company are having a great laugh. He, this situation, don't get me wrong about Ukrainian people. They have to go somewhere. They have to be somewhere to get out of their situation. But surely to God, are we the only country? Why are we getting so involved in all of this? Are we the only country that Sarah, really Sarah, 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 with Sarah, gold? In, in, listen, in times of struggle and strife, we always look for someone to blame. You're blaming the Ukra- I do Ukrainians. Agree. It's not the Ukrainians. No, I'm not blaming not. the Ukrainians at all. I'm not blaming the Ukrainians at all. Please understand that. I am blaming the government, the Irish government. The Irish government have a tendency 
to forget about where they actually are being fed by the Irish people, the taxpayers. They're the people that should look after their own. We should be first. The young people of this country have no homes. They can't afford them. There's no future for them. What in the name of God is this government doing? Doing, neglecting, actually neglecting their own people and just, I don't know what it's all about. It's, it's so confusing right now for I me. Understand, I understand, I understand some of the frustrations when we look at the cost of rental properties in Europe. Uh, you look at any of mm-hmm. the cities, I know a lot of them have lower standards of living and pay lower wages than we do. I get all of that. But you, you would pay substantially less uh, to rent a property in your Portugal's and your Italy's and your Spain and France and countries like that. And when you go over to Eastern Europe, even less again. No. And we're a little island nation here and it's exorbitantly high. I, don't I think you're missing the point. And the point I'm trying to actually say is what is wrong with our government? Why are they not capping this situation? We are a small island. We cannot afford all that's been given out of the taxpayer's pocket. This has to stop now, once and for all. This country is going to go into a very I'm bad recession. I'm getting the feeling, though, that you're talking about closing the borders. I'm, the, I'm actually talking about reconstructing this government's attitude toward, towards the Irish situation, the Irish people situation. I'm talking about young people with no future. I'm talking about hospitals that are full to capacity. I'm talking about people that the flow of people coming in. It's not, it's not normal. What is this all about? Okay, okay. Hold on, hold on it's there. I may, I t- I'm, out, I'm out of time for now. I may well pick up on this conversation with you and others besides after 11. Text 0868 I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show And can I remind you again of our Vwelling giveaway in association with Cork Airport. All you gotta do and it's only a paragraph or two is to share with me your most memorable holiday moment. It could be anything it could be a memory from your childhood and I was thinking a lot about this and many of mine are indeed memories, not of my childhood but of holidays I had when the kids were small and places we went to. So it could be funny, sad, embarrassing, everything and anything in between but just your most memorable holiday moment. You can text 86 or email neil at uh, redfm.ie and I'm mad keen to share them. What you will win? Well, we'll have a qualifier every day and on Friday somebody will win a fantastic city break to Paris with return flights for two from Cork uh, to Paris with Vueling Airlines. Now, there's a lot more to this than just two flights on an airplane, although it's a fabulous airline. I travelled on it myself last week. So we've got hotel accommodation for you in Paris for two nights for both of you. You'll also get a €200 Euro voucher for the Loop at Cork Airport. You can spend it there, €200. Euro, and you will wait in the Aspire Executive Lounge at Cork Airport. And oh, drive to the airport, please, because there's free parking for the duration of your trip away. So that's a fantastic city break to Paris with return flights and all of the trimmings courtesy of ourselves, Cork Airport and Vueling Airlines. And Cork Airport continues to go uh, from strength to strength in spite of the two years of the sea stuff, COVID. They have 40 scheduled routes uh, serving eight different airlines 
right across the summer. It's a great place to travel out of. No matter what you say about it, you don't want to be having to go to Dublin or to Shannon. You want to be going in and out of Cork Airport. It's just so, so handy. So get texting on that. Text 0868104106 and share your most memorable holiday moment or memory. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. Okay, back to the phone lines in a second. But good news for anybody that's got a tracker mortgage and is moving from the Ulster Bank when they get rid of their business and give them to other banks. Apparently, they can't touch your tracker mortgage. Here are some examples of that. Please tell that woman on air with Neil uh, that's on about her tracker mortgage that they cannot touch it. And another bank has to take it when Ulster Bank leave, says Noel. Thank you for that. Another one from Anne says, none of these banks are offering um, tra- tracker mortgages. A tracker mortgage is uh, the ECB rate plus 1%. These banks are selling off their own products and giving what they feel like. So it's not a tracker mortgage. Um, the woman should take no for an answer and go straight to Michael McGrath or Michal Martin. Good luck with that. But anyway, it's, it, it is good news because they can't touch it. I had a tracker with the National Irish Bank. They sold out to a Dutch bank and they could not break the contract once you don't break your tracker, they can't break it either. Tracker mortgages have been sold on twice and binding and cannot be broken. I'm now with the Vulture Bank, Pepper Bank, and they too have to honour the tracker mortgage, says Denise. So there you go. At least I think you can now sleep a little more soundly with the tracker that you have from Ulster Bank. When you move, you won't be kicked off the tracker um, because it's a contract that cannot be broken as long as you don't break it. I mean, you wouldn't want to miss a month's mortgage repayment. That's the one thing. Lots of the text on that and lots more besides. So at least that's some consolation. Back to the phone lines we go. Cyril, good morning. Hello, Neil. Right. Uh, cost of living, issues like that. Go ahead. Yeah, it was, uh, I was just saying there to your researcher that like Michal Martin is going to walk away with a pension of €1,400 Euros a week when he finishes politics. And you can stand over that figure now without me having to it's, check it. It's actually Freedom Information. Man, thank it's you. On the, it's on the Oireachta site. That's all I want to know. That's where I got it from. All right. okay. And that, that his pension costs the state €5 million Euros over its lifetime. His pension pot paid for by the state. Yeah, all his right. pension pot. Okay. No, and and I, any of those contributions by him, no? He, he, he pays something towards the pension as well. So a Taoiseach would get 73 grand a year pension, is it? 90. Actually, 90. I think it works out. Okay, I think there's a few different um, payments for a yeah, Taoiseach. They're, they're, they're all different. And it's the same with all the committees in the Oireachtas. If you're the chair of a, a committee in, in the Oireachtas, you get 9,000 euros for sitting as the chair. Yeah. These are all of the extras, yeah, yeah. But I think, I think you get, I think in retirement you get, don't you get X amount of a pension for being a Taoiseach, another amount for being a minister, another amount for being a TD. Yeah, like the standard, the standard payment I think for a TD is around seventy-two thousand. Right, and I think a minister is about one hundred twenty-six thousand. And a Taoiseach. A Taoiseach, I think, is up around one hundred fifty. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you think that they're ju- they just line their own nest then, is it? They, they do, but they see, it, it's, all, it's all done under the counter more or less because they don't have to tell anybody how much they're actually getting. They're only answerable to themselves. So we have a lot of retired TDs and ministers and former Taoiseach who are doing very well, thank you very much, in retirement. 
we have an awful lot of them in the country. And if you and I were to do it, we would have had to invest five million euro of our own money in our working lifetime to achieve in your the same. Lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> shouldn't laugh. No, that, that's that's just for one T-shirt. No, there's a couple left to go on before him. And Mean, meanwhile, how are you finding it in the real world? In the real world, everybody. I feel sorry for everybody at the moment because people with kids, it's a nightmare trying to look after them, feed them, put put clothes on them. Everything and anything is going up. You pass a petrol station every day, they're adding a cent down to the price. Yeah, and the only now, thing that people, comes down then is the rain and the temperature, isn't it? Pe- yeah. People don't know, know a cent. They take no notice of a cent. But all those cents creep up. You know? Yeah, I know, man. It's, I know. It, it's, it's terrible for people. I really feel sorry for younger people. Because I'm retired at the moment, so I'm not too bad. Really brought it home to me chatting earlier. On the, I know, brought it home to me chatting earlier this morning where, you know, hearing from people who said that, uh, you know, they now uh, avoid other mothers or other fathers at the school gates because they might want to go for a bit of lunch or they might want to go for a cup of coffee. That For a cup of coffee, uh, yeah, or, exactly. Or they, they avoid, they, they don't tell their children that the, the mother of such a friend gave a birthday invitation and the kid doesn't exactly. know about it because the mother can't afford a present. Exactly, exactly. There's so much pressure on, on people at the moment. And, you know, it, it's a habit as well, keeping up with the Joneses. Like, if they see something, you know, kids, kids need what, what their friends have. They want to fit in and be part of... They do, they do, they yeah, do. Yeah, and and it's, it's very hard, very hard for... I, like I said, I feel very sorry for young people today. Mm, okay, okay. And what's going to happen to make things better? Um, I think once, if they had to live in the real world, the politicians, they might grasp what people are going through. Well, would Sinn Féin but make I, a difference? Like Sinn Féin are freaking this morning. You know they're talking. You know the, um, <coughs> you know the affordable home scheme. Where the affordable home scheme? Uh, yeah. Okay. You know that the threshold for income on that is a hundred thousand euro. Do you, do you really right, yeah. do you really think that somebody on a hundred thousand euro? Um, should no. be included in affordable home schemes where they get no, subsidies? See, well, well I, I'll tell you, no, my son is, I think his earnings are around 33,000, but he's over the threshold for social housing. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is, to me, is very low. Yeah, you know, he'd I mean, probably be better off not working than working for 33 grand, just Well, see. but this is it, you see, and people want to contribute to, to their... To their communities and their country, but they're making it very hard for people. It's the same with, with this new development thing that they're giving to developers 140,000 per unit That's that right. they build. That's right. That's right. I now, saw that one. To be honest, I think a simple way out of that is their supplies are the VAT is 23%. Now, if you cut the VAT on what they can buy their materials at, that would be a more sensible option, I think. Rather than giving them 140 grand. Rather than giving them 140,000. Yeah, I know. And then asking people to pay the market value for those units when they're full. What we do you know, know it, is that there's three quarters of a million people now living in poverty in this country and uh, over uh, 220,000 of them are children. Um, it's a frightening yeah, and, statistic. And, 
and, and that's a frightening statistic as well. But the, the other part of it then is that that lady was speaking earlier on about the schools. The uniform thing, that's another ridiculous thing that everybody in every different school has to have a different uniform. Yeah, if you didn't have school uniforms, it would be a free-for-all on bullying on the clothes the children wear. I, I understand I that too. I swear to God, it would too. be a free-for-all. That's the only yeah. problem with that. Yeah, possibly, yeah. You know? Yeah. Look at, but, the poor, I mean, look at the state of your man's runners. He can't even buy Nike or I know, the state I know. of one. She's going around in second-hand yeah. clothes and all that kind of thing. But you, you'd still have kids with, you know, not, not Nike runners. Even with, with a uniform, they won't have Nike runners. You know? OK, let me get some more calls on air. Thanks, t- thanks sir. Okay. Good to chat. Thank you. Recently heard of a Desh primary school, Neil and Cork, who can't hire buses for the children's school tours. When planning the trips, they approached a bus company about providing the service for the children, but they were told that because of rising and uncertain fuel prices, the quote that they'd be given now won't be accurate at the time of the hire in June, and it could cost a lot, not more by then. Uh, being a DESH school, disadvantaged area, the teachers couldn't be asking kids and their parents for more money down the line and closer to the time when God knows what the price of fuel will be. So they just had to abandon the idea of taking the kids to a new place. They have still tours organised in locations nearby the school where the kids and teachers can walk to. But I thought this was quite sad. I remember going on my school tours when I was small and the bus would be half the crack and excitement was part of the tour trip itself. The crack and excitement on board the bus. Especially because when you get to somewhere new and away from where you're from, children, whether they're in desh schools or not, especially deserve these opportunities. It's a shame the cost of things these days is getting in the way of all of that. I was in town yesterday, actually, just yesterday afternoon, had a bit of food inside an electric. They got the new Asian menu there. Well worth checking out. Uh, But I saw two or three different tours going on in the city. Uh, I was looking out the window of electric and uh, on the junction of the Grand Parade and South Mall, three different groups within the space of 20 minutes or so with one group maybe at 20 or 30, another maybe at 15 or 20 and the third one maybe something similar. And they were just being brought around the city uh, on a, a tour of Cork City. It was a fabulous thing to see. Uh, I couldn't hear voices, so I don't know how many of them were local people. I don't think I, I don't think I saw a Kieran McCarthy tour, but there were other chaps doing it. Um, it's kind of very interesting because at the same time then, you had the wonderful, wonderful Cork City tour bus doing its thing. How many people have been on the Cork City tour bus where you just jump on uh, and you got the audio tour of the city? and all of the focal points that you should be visiting. If you haven't done it and you're planning on doing something with the kids, I imagine it's fairly cheap to do, but it's one heck of a day or an afternoon. Just jump on the bus and go around the city. Just a reminder of that when I heard people talking about uh, school buses and school tours and not being able to afford the price of the bus because of the fuel cost. Anyway, text 0868104106. Your person on the air there about the cost of school has some cheek. Uh, yes, it's expensive, but we choose to have kids, don't we? She complained about everything, even adding the cost of feeding the kids with lunch. God help her when little Johnny and Mary go to secondary school. She will definitely have the begging bowl out then, says Sharon. Not not altogether very kind, Sharon, but thank you for the text nonetheless. I do understand when you say that's what you sign up to when you decide to have children. Uh, the key is to swap to pay as you go heating. Top up your card weekly and keep paying this amount during the summer months, even if it's not being used. Keep paying it. You're topping up for the wintertime. We've been doing this for the last two years. It's made a big difference. 
Thank you. Another one here. I went to a local cafe yesterday, Sunday morning. I had scrambled egg on one slice of brown bread and a pot of tea. The price for scrambled egg on one slice of brown bread, 11 euro. I won't be going back there again. 11 euro, rip off Ireland, it's spiralling out of control. Woman on air is making a whole lot of excuses. What Neil is saying at the end of the day is 100% correct. Batch cooking real food is much cheaper and healthier for everyone. She's saying that parents are choosing pizza and ready-made lasagna, which are more expensive because they're stressed over money. That, to me, makes no sense. Uh, Just one more listening to the show. I felt I had to text in. I'm a young nurse, qualified four years. I'm single and currently renting in the city. I worked 77 hours last week and will have to do more overtime this week. I applied for a mortgage a month ago and I was told the maximum mortgage I would get is €140,000. Well, you wouldn't buy a shed for that anywhere in the country. How am I ever supposed to get out of the rental accommodation trap and better myself? I would be seriously better off if I quit my job, joined the housing list, got a medical card and didn't have to pay exorbitant health insurance prices, rent and not have to save every spare euro I have for a mortgage. I can tell you, I'm working 77 hours last week. I'm a very, very tired nurse. Keep those texts coming. Text 086-8104-106. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Just in the middle of that ad break, there's an advert for what I was talking about earlier on this morning. If you're traveling overseas and you're getting car rental, just be very careful because you're all sorts of very, very scary stories who got caught. Um, and put in the security, you know, they take a security deposit sometimes up to 1200 euro and that's literally locked. They take it out of your, it's kind of frozen in your, on your credit card or your debit card. Uh, it's got to be there. Otherwise they won't give you the car. And you're always worried that you won't get it back or get all of it back. Like you have to be very careful. I got a car last week, for instance. And do you ever see when you get the rental car, they show you a graphic of the car from the front, the back and both sides of it. And they show you all the marks on it. Did you ever get that? Right. Well, the car that I got was a Fiat 500. It had more marks on it than a dartboard. Like it was covered in those little black dots they put for fear. If you were to walk around it to make sure that all of those dots were proper dots, you just couldn't do it. And the car parks are pitch dark, like. You'd be going around with the torch on your phone, trying to look at the different, um, you know, the little dots that are on the car and the scratches. So you never actually know whose scratch is whose. And you go back then and they'd say to you, oh no, there's a scratch there and there's another one here. And you say, no, that was there already. But you wouldn't be able to tell there were that many scratches on it. So I'd be very wary of that, particularly if you're going overseas and renting a car. And on that basis, I would say this car hire excess that you can spend 50 euro for the year is a great investment. Because if you do get caught with somebody else's scratch or mark, it could cost you hundreds. In fact, it could cost you upwards of of 1200 When you talk about, you know, you talk about uh, our giveaway uh, this week for Vwelling Airlines and Cork Airport. We're asking people to share their most memorable uh, holiday moment. One of mine recently was when I was having lunch on the beach. I shared, I shared the video actually up on my stories on Instagram. It's gone now. But if you're interested, I can put it up in the grid and you can have a look at it. I was having my lunch. Do you see it? I was having my lunch um, just by the water. And the sand was on the other side of the of the table. And there was these pigeons hanging around, right? 
And this one particular very, very saucy pigeon had an eye on my lunch, or at least on the bowl of chips. Very brave pigeon, incidentally. Must be very well used to people, uh, knowing that nobody's going to put in or out with them. So he jumps up on the side of the of the of the ledge next to me. He sits there with his little head go, <laughs> you know the way pigeons' heads go. Just sizing me up, like wondering, is that a, is he a cranky git now? Is he liable to give me a dig or a box or a clatter across the side of my pigeon beak? Then he decided, nah, he's a he's a wuss. He's a he's a pushover. So the pigeon then jumps onto the table, right? It's over the edge of the table, and he takes a couple of steps, just you know, checking what kind of form I'm in. And then he goes back a bit. Oh, the, the head gone, pigeon head. And he decides mm, this is looking pretty okay, and then he does another little walk a little bit closer to the basket of chips. He realizes all is safe here. So then he makes the final assault on the basket of chips and he goes hell for leather into them. I mean, ripping. And I'm sitting there just watching him, wondering how many of these chips is this guy actually going to eat? And he went again and again and again until I went on for about maybe 45 seconds. Eventually I said, clearly I couldn't eat them anymore. They were the pigeon's chips at that stage. So I just said, come on, go away. Off he went, full up with the food. I actually thought, could I post that video now? Will I get people freaking out and giving me grief that I'm poisoning pigeons and that it's an irresponsible thing? You know the world we live in now where everything is so kind of touchy-feely and everybody gets upset about it? I posted it anyway and everybody got a good laugh out of it. So they're the kind of memories I'm talking about. That was just one recent one um, from the past fortnight away. The pigeon who stole my lunch. <laughs> even thinking about it now. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Text 0868104106. Most memorable holiday memory. Uh, David, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you keeping? Good. What was yours? Uh, I suppose mine was back in 2013. I was in Vegas um, and I just done an internship that summer. So I was traveling around a little bit. And there I was coming out of the hotel, going into the kind of mall area. And as I was walking along, coming towards me was this, this this male with a tattoo on his face and his partner and I was kind of looking at him funnily going you know he oddly looks like Mike Tyson is that really Mike Tyson and I only walked past him and a group of lads in front of me had the same kind of odd reaction was that Mike Tyson and then I kind of turned around like geez, that is Mike Tyson and you're over there in the middle of Vegas and you walk past him and pure iconic as he is and you're thinking, you know, he's going to have some kind of security detail with him and in a flash car or something, but he's just casually walking through a shopping mall here. So I couldn't pass the moment off. I had to run back to him and actually make sure it was him. So, yeah, that was... Ah, for God's sake, you got a selfie with him, surely be to God. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was that had, to, had to be done, like a, a moment like that. And, you know, no one would believe you're there just walking through and casually you bump into Mike Tyson. And was he okay about the selfie? He was, yeah. I mean, he wasn't being pestered by anyone. I think he was hoping to walk through and not get pestered by anyone, but here's this Irish lad running back in the middle of Vegas. What'd you say to him? I said, uh, I said, I'm here on a little trip for a few days. And I said, I couldn't believe my eyes when I actually walked past you. I said, any chance of a selfie? And he started laughing and joking. And of course, he hears the Irish accent and they're asking questions one-on-one about Ireland and why you're oh, in Vegas of all places. Yeah, it's, a, it's, yeah. A, it's a real international passport, the Irish accent, isn't it? Massively, massively, and but like when I was over there on my internship, you can go places in America where no one really ventures, and as soon as somebody hears your accent, they're completely mind blown, and they're asking all about Ireland, of course, like, you know, some of them would even ask, oh, what about leprechauns and all that other kind of stuff? <laughs> I don't know where to, to go with the leprechauns and, leprechauns and pigs in the parlour stuff, you know? Do you yeah, smoke yeah. turf over there? I just don't exactly. get that. I don't get that. Um 
that's one place that I never want to go to Vegas and the other place that I have no interest in the whole right worth early world of going is, is Dubai why would you want to go to Vegas it's a kip isn't it um, it's actually not as bad as people make it out to be I mean it was just some kind of place to take off the box before I flew home um, went out there there was a bodybuilding convention on out there at the time and I said well that might be interesting to go and have a look at as well are you a bodybuilder? Uh, I, I, mean, I go to the gym and keep keep myself in shape but I wouldn't say I'm to that extreme but, okay. but your trip to Vegas there. after you had gone through the experience did you regret it? no definitely not it's, it's even the hotels out there there's something else and to see the strip and all the lights going at night and everything and just the people out there like you just see everything like from street entertainers you know you come across people from all walks of life out there and of course, I had the the pleasure of venturing off the strip because I had to close the bank account out there. And then you see the other side of Vegas where people don't talk about. So it's, there's definitely two extreme sides there. What is that to- side? Forgive me now, David, for picking up on what the other side of Vegas, because I know that there's an underbelly in another side of Dubai, which is fairly nasty. Yeah, I mean, like where, where I had to go to close the bank account, it was way off the strip. I was in like a taxi for 10, 15 minutes here going through neighborhoods going, Really, is this is this where the bank is actually located? And you go in, and you know you have you know homeless people walking around everywhere. You crack addicts and that kind of thing. So it's they keep that well outside the strip, don't they? Yeah, yeah, massively. massively. That's the two sides to capitalism, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Anyway, that story on on Mike Tyson—that's the kind of story that we're looking for this week, and that's going to be a hard one to beat. Okay, well, that's good to hear. No no shotgun wedding while you were there? No visiting the Chapel of Love? No, thanks. No, not not like that extreme. But um, What about the casinos? Any old bit of blackjack or roulette? Yeah, a bit of that, bit of three-card poker, a bit of blackjack. Um, Like, it's just something you have to see it to believe it because it's just crazy. You can go out there, play all night you want, whatever you want to do. And there was even people, like, of all ages out there, you see them playing on the table you go to sleep and you get up and they're still there the next morning ah but that's not good though David that's no. not good I mean that's sad no. isn't it it's, it really is a, a bit of a fantasy land that is sad like people spending all day and night on the tables I mean you see someone ring, winning crazy amounts of money some tables out there have a $5,000 buy-in and you see some real poker players out there winning big did you leave money at the table or did you take away more than you left uh, I took away a small bit more and I left okay. but nothing to show at home but okay well a good experience and it cost you nothing then at least yeah exactly okay my man hang in there we'll see how you do appreciate it that's David on his trip to Vegas and his selfie with Mike Tyson meanwhile Annette good morning hi Neil great prize this week a fantastic city break to Paris with Vueling Airlines and Cork Airport with all oh, of the trimmings oh I absolutely love it uh-huh love Gay it. Paris who'd you take with you Oh, I would probably... Be, oh, there'd be a fight with my three children now which one to take, but uh, probably my youngest, I think she deserves which one, it. Which one is your favourite? Oh, God! I, I can't favour people. There'd they, be a battle in my house morning, noon and night. They all call each other their, their favourite I mean, We all have a favourite. Come on, Annette. Oh, God! Do I your, have to say it on air? Your firstborn, maybe? <laughs> She might like to think so. <laughs> Do you know how they say if you have a boy? Uh, no, and a... Uh, let's just let's just say I have 
two girls and one son. <laughs> so, you know, it, the, 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 the highlight on don't the one say, son. Don't go any further, please, because I, I don't <laughs> want it. carnage in your home. I love, I love the guessing game in my house. It's great fun. It's just I, like get, a, I get balls right, rotten with them trying to um, with them trying to, to, to win the battle amongst themselves. So I know, yeah. you, who do you love most, Mammy? You love her more than me. <laughs> it reminded me of the story that I heard. You know, you talk about, um, like, say, for instance, a mother who's got a son or a daughter, right? Yeah. And the daughter comes in after a hard day or whatever and says, Ma'am, I'm starving. Is there anything to eat? Is there anything in the fridge? Ma'am says to the daughter, I don't know. Find out for yourself. The son comes home after a hard day out and he's absolutely starving. Ma'am, I'm starving. Is there anything to eat? Sit down, my darling son. Let me cook for you a warm, hot, nutritious, delicious meal. Put your feet up. I'll call you when it's ready. Yeah. It speaks for itself, like, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, give me your... Yeah. This is an embarrassing holiday moment, so go ahead. It is, Neil. And, and you know, I know the, the lads at work had a great skit out of it. And anytime a new person starts they say, come over now and have a listen to next story. Like, you know, but I don't know, worth winning a, a trip about, but sure, look, we'll say it anyway, right? So, um, my brother lives over in Australia, so um, he's over there about 12 years, so I decided only about three years ago I hadn't seen him in a long time, so I said I'd go way over. So, got, got over to Australia anyway, and my bag got uh, lost in Singapore. So, I was over there now in a new country with with, and his wife is there who I'd never met or anything so I had no clothes only the clothes on my back so that was a bad start to begin with so that was fine no, no so makeup go, not even a comb not, no I wouldn't be a makeup person I'm very clean but you'd be dragging a comb together. through your head I'm sure but you? I needed you, you, you'd need a few of your uh, your smalls anyway I <laughs> can't see the smalls so, anyway at least you can wash them in the sink yeah, so I had to. I so so my so my wife's uh, girlfriend and my our wife at the time had to take me straight to the supermarket to get my smalls to tie me over while while donations of clothes were being given by the neighbours then to to tie me over till I got my suitcase. So long story short, anyway, eventually after a week I got my suitcase and I was delighted and I had been with my brother for the full week. So I said, right, I'm going away off on a day trip now and for the day for myself with my, my clothes that I had planned to bring over so put on a lovely dress and my denim jacket and whatever and off I went on my day trip sightseeing so I was after buying my day ticket for uh, for Sydney and I said first stop now will be down to Bondi Beach because I've heard so much about it but my brother was after saying stay away from the place now it's all pickpockets and you know, don't go down there now on your own and he's my younger brother now and I'm much older than him like so Right, so that was fine, and so off I went anyway with my with my my lovely clothes that I was after getting, and down to Bondi, and had a look around, and had my lunch and whatever, and went down to the beach, and stripped off in my swimsuit and my flip flops, and walked down to the beach with my flip flops down to the edge of the water, took off the flip flops anyway, and I had my phone in my my waterproof bag. Off I went, went away into the into the water and it's swimming away mad and when I go into the water I tend to go in there for a good long time like so that was fine anyway came back out anyway and put on I my don't no matter where I go I find the feckin' water too cold oh I love it I, Neil, I love it. it is so I walked away back up to where I thought I was after leaving my clothes no sign of my clothes no towel no nothing no backpack everything was gone and I was there to myself had I drifted in the water down to the left or to the right and did I lose my placing so I didn't because I knew exactly the people that I had been sitting next to were still there. So I knew, I knew my bags had been gone, and I was there saying, "Jesus, what am I going to do?" So 
church was only afterwards I realised I could have went up to up to the you know the the the, the rescue place to try and figure her out. Uh, you you know, were robbed on the beach I in was Monday. robbed. Clothes, brass, everything was gone. So all I had now was my phone and I had my, my sightseeing bus ticket as well inside in the little pouch and my flip-flops. So I said, look, I'm not going to let this ruin my day and I will be very thick-skinned and I would be off the attitude that I don't care what anyone thinks. Yeah, but you're only wearing a bikini. You're only wearing a bikini. Oh, no, no, Neil, this... this Christmas now, so I was fairly festively plump, so to the swimsuit I had on me to okay. chicken me bits. <laughs> <laughs> so plump. I went back, I said, look, I said, that's it, no, I have enough of Bandai, so I said, I'd go back over to the sightseeing bus anyway, so I so which was okay, because a lot of people were walking around the place with swimsuits anyway, so that was fine. But you so got, got on, on the, the sightseeing bus in a swimsuit and flippers. So, oh, or, but sorry. I did, but that was, that was okay, Neil, in Bandai, because it was a beach area, but I was going into Sydney city centre. So when it was when I was going to be getting off the bus. Is the problem? So, oh stay yeah, on so the we bus, into, stay on the bus. Ring someone. Stay on friend. the bus. No, Neil, because you see, I was after paying. I was after paying for two buses in these two sightseeing. So one direction was out to Bandai, and the other one then was down by Sydney Harbour. So I actually got off the bus in the city centre, and I was still going to continue my sightseeing down to Sydney Harbour. So I did all that. So I was sitting up at the, the top of the bus. So people were getting on and off and they were looking out the side of their eyes saying, where is this Looney Tunes after being released from, from the day for the day? <laughs> so that, that was fine. That wasn't even the worst of it, right? I still felt like I was a tourist at that point. So it you're walking around downtown Sydney. Walking around now with a green swimsuit. And Neil, when I go into the water, I have short hair. So my hair sticks up. I needed a hairbrush and my hairbrush was in the backpack that was robbed. So I am an ugly tourist. <laughs> right? So that was fine anyway. Got back into Sydney City Centre, right? And it was about six o'clock in the evening, right? So all the suits and the businessmen with their briefcases were all walked. So I was walking down what you would say, no, it was like Patrick Street and heading towards the train station, right? So I'm walking down the street and they're moving out of my way as if I have a big red light at the top of my head saying, Oh my God! Crazy person. Put me back into not house. So that was that was fine anyway. So I went up into the train station and I'm standing on the platform next to all these men with suits and women with their briefcases. And I'm there with my green swimsuit and my flip flops and just standing on the platform, thick as you like now, trying to be brave <laughs> and hop on the train to my back down to see my brother and you see I couldn't ring my brother because I would have got I told you so off him you shouldn't have went to Bondi or whatever but sure we had a great skit about it why didn't you ring him I I didn't want to give him the satisfaction Neil of telling him that he was right and I was wrong but you turned (laughs) up at the house in the swimsuit but I made my own way home on my own Neil I needed no help from nobody (laughs) you could have been arrested but Neil, you know what? My friends were saying afterwards, you should have checked Facebook and multimedia all over the place because someone definitely had to have video of this weirdo coming down the street in the middle of Sydney and a green swimsuit and flip flops. Years ago, years ago in a New York hotel, right? In the pitch dark, sharing a room with my wife, sleeping naked as you do. <laughs> I opened and went through a door that I thought was the bathroom. Right? Oh God! And I ended out. I ended out. I ended up out in the in the, the hallway, hallway. <laughs> of, the, of the hotel. It was like. 
20 other bedrooms left and right of me. <laughs> naked in the, naked in the hallway. On, on, on social media no, as well, Tony. No, it was, about, it was about, I think I was lucky because I think it was about, do you know you go for a pee at about four o'clock in the morning sometimes? Yeah, yeah. There was no, there was no one around. But it took ages of banging yeah. on the door <gasps> for her to oh, to wake up yeah. and let me back into safety. Oh, the embarrassment. But at least, at least nobody at least nobody saw you near the whole no, but, but, centre saw me. I know, but hold on. No, I mean, I can beat that. Like, what yeah. if I was staying in the room on my own? And oh. there was nobody to let me back into the bedroom. And it's four <laughs> o'clock in the Marriott Marquis on the 17th floor of a thousand hotel bedroom hotel and I'd have to go down to reception naked <laughs> <laughs> I think I should just keep this prize you, you, you might win the competition yourself for that story keep it for myself <laughs> stop trying to upstate my son <laughs> yours is going to be very hard to, hard to beat in it. Oh, hang in God, there right? Neil. oh it, it was unbelievable but you know it's something to laugh about for years to come because anyone that knows me knows that I, I just don't give a damn about anything or anyone in, in a good sense of the manner, you know. Well, you'd need like, that. I'm never going to see any of those people again and that's you'd the way I kind those. of say it to my kids. Like, you'd you know, don't, don't ever care about anyone thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant, Neil. It was brilliant. Oh, thanks, Annette. Cheers. Yeah. Take yeah, care. Yeah, no matter. Thanks, Neil. Keep Bye. those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, most memorable, uh, funny, embarrassing moment, whatever the case may be, most memorable holiday moment. Well done to Annette and indeed to Dave. I'll do one or two more. I was telling you the story there about the pigeon uh, eating my lunch. That was a story that I put up last week. It was one of those 24-hour stories. So what I've done now is I've just reposted it onto my platform, you know, where it's it'll just sit there as part of the feed. If you want to have a look at the pigeon stealing my lunch, it's up in my Instagram page. You can check it out for yourself. The video is up there. I think you'll get a laugh out of it. So keep those texts coming, particularly for our Welling Airlines giveaway, courtesy of Welling and uh, Cork Airport. You'll be off to Paris with the return flights for two, hotel accommodation, 200 euro to spend in the loop. You'll stay while waiting for your flight at the Aspire Executive Lounge at Cork Airport and free parking for the motor while you're away in Paris, France. So let's get another one on the air and then we'll pick it up tomorrow and across the week. Mike, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Okay, my friend, your most memorable moment, please. Yeah, I suppose mine's at the other end of the scale of a serious nature rather than what your previous okay. callers okay. had there. Uh, okay. I remember we were on a holiday in around 2006, 2007 in the beautiful island of Mallorca in Palmanova Resort which is one of my favourites, and uh, we were staying in, the, ca- in the, the hotel campus, so we were in the pool one evening, and around five o'clock we decided to go back to the room and change, but uh, my youngest, one of my sons, my two sons, um, he, I had taught him to swim in Cove for the last few years, but previous to that, I took him to the Commodore every Sunday morning for about two years, and they really got into swimming very strong. Good. But we were, we were on this complex, and we went up to the room around five o'clock, and my son, uh, he discovered that he left something at the poolside, so he went back down. As he went back down, a toddler, I'd say about two he was, he fell into the deep end. So my son dived in and pulled him out, and um, within about 30 seconds later, the family came and discovered what had happened. Oh my so God, you mean an, yeah. un, an unsupervised two-year-old toddler? He just drifted away for a moment from the family, he just drifted away from his parents, I'd say, for you know, a minute, and that's, you know, that's all it takes for... He was at the deep end, he fell in, he was at the bottom, my son pulled him out, and the family didn't He was arrived. at the bottom, he'd gone down under. Absolutely, oh, he'd gone down, to, yeah, absolutely. It's a gone. wonder he spotted him, Mike. Uh, just as my son was coming down, he saw him going in, just as he got viewed of the pool, he just saw him falling in. 
and he dived in straight away and pulled him out and um, the family came there within 30 seconds like with 30 seconds with a toddler on, in a pool is vital obviously every second is vital good God so uh, they were absolutely we met him the next day the family there from County Tipperary actually as it turned out so they're obviously hugely hugely appreciative but that's one thing that always stands out in my mind you know the dangers of kids and, and pools and drifting away from family so easy it just takes a few seconds for a toddler to drown what was the, what was the reaction of the family? Oh, they were absolutely ecstatic when relieved, obviously, like, because even if they hadn't came down to the pool, they might not have even seen him. He'd been at the bottom of the pool for a couple of seconds or maybe a minute, and obviously time's crucial. Uh, but just as just God, God sent, my son went down that time and just happened to see him falling in as he rounded the corner to, to see the full full pool in view. How did he bring him back? I mean, was he conscious when he got the child? Oh, he was conscious, yeah, he was conscious, yeah. He was conscious, all right, he was, yeah. Isn't that incredible? Oh, just pure, pure timing, pure luck, really. I mean, 60 seconds later, totally oh, different scenario. I think it could have a massive tragedy, yeah, averted definitely, you know. I mean, you're covering so many different topics here, including the importance of being able to swim, the importance, oh, of, the importance yeah. of CPR, you know, the importance of... Oh, absolutely. Like, and, absolutely. and how quickly yeah. a child can just stray Gone away. Gone the flash. Gone the flash, yeah, absolutely. And bang, the into the wall. All the they've had, all the summer holidays that we were fortunate to have over the years with my family, uh, that's the one that always kind of stands out in my mind, <laughs> Not for, maybe for the wrong reasons, you know. God so it just shows you how things can, uh, in a holiday when you're all having fun, just so seriously things can go the other way for you. All right. Andy. That's a great yeah. story. Thanks for sharing it. Hang in there. We'll see how you get no on. Problem. All right. Tell, I tell you what, I tell you one thing. Yeah. If, you're, if your son doesn't win a weekend away uh, to, uh, to Paris with Cork Airport in Vueling, I certainly would have another prize for him and that fantastic yeah. intervention. You can be sure of that. All right. Yeah. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks a million, Neil. Okay, thanks, thanks for sharing. Appreciate Thank it, Mike. And well done to your son, Niall. Uh, Ashling, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so uh, where are we? 2014, is it? Yeah. Okay, so what happened? back in 2014, I went to New York with my mom, uncle, and my sister. We were going over to family over there. So basically, we went upstate New York, and we were in a water park. So I went down the slide, and... Little did I know my bikini top ripped off when I got down to the bottom of the slide. So I basically kind of flashed in front of American citizens and my family. But thank God now I got it covered up quick enough, but it was very embarrassing at the time. No, nobody caught it on video or a photograph or anything? No, no, no. Thank God, anyway. <laughs> you had a kind of a wardrobe misadventure, is it? Yeah, yeah. Very unfortunate now. You were probably the only person that noticed, though. Well, I was with my sister because she had just gone down before me, so she noticed. And then I went back to my family and said it, and sure, they were laughing away. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. Here, let it all hang out, girl. What's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anyway, thanks for sharing. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. We're looking for the most memorable holiday moment or experience. And we've covered an awful lot from the embarrassing to the serious and also to the life-saving. So courtesy of ourselves and uh, Cork Airport and Vueling Airlines who fly from Cork to Paris to Orly Airport three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Sundays. And Orly is the closest airport to Paris city centre. It's only 14 kilometres away. So it's a fantastic city break for two with return flights and all of the trimmings. Uh, you have time now to text 086 on that one. You can also email your story to neil at uh, redfm. Dot IE and get stuck in. I have to say, uh, on the conversations and the calls they had an opportunity to get on this morning, I absolutely loved uh, the conversation with regards to um, uh, Annette, 
who was down in Australia and in Bondi um, and had our most embarrassing moment when she was robbed. Firstly, the luggage didn't arrive, got lost in Singapore and then was robbed on the beach in Bondi. I'm not taking from any of the other stories, but that one just blew me away. It's an incredibly funny story. Thank you for sharing, Annette. You go into Friday's final and we will have five finalists. Uh, and somebody will win the weekend break on Friday's program. So do keep those texts coming. Uh, text 0868104106. Or if you have a story to share that you want to get to down by email, you can do so. Neil at redfm.ie. Um, one or two other texts and emails before I love you and leave you for the day that's in it. And it has to do with topics we had this morning on the cost of living. I agree with your caller. This government is driving our educated people abroad now because they no longer can afford to live here. My three highly educated sons have left their homeland because they can no longer afford to live here. Ireland's loss, Canada's gain. I often wonder whether it's a wheel that keeps on turning. Because if you were to pick up that text, even though there wasn't texting back in the 1980s, that text would have been as applicable now as it was back in the 1980s. When I remember everybody, uh, there was just an exodus of young people out of the country. Uh, And you know what? It actually had nothing to do with the cost of housing back in the 1980s because it wasn't crazy with regards to house prices back then. Back then, it was a lack of jobs. We don't seem to have a lack of jobs now. We certainly have a lack of housing or rental at affordable prices. And I think maybe the problem with jobs is, well, there's a lack of jobs. There's a lack of good paying jobs. In relation to this lovely lady that is complaining about lots of people coming into the country. Well, I'm a foreigner living here in Cork. We all know the Irish government is attracting corporations from overseas into the country. And we all know that these have caused higher job offers Um, I would be very happy to return to my own country if I could and was allowed to work there, but I'm not. I think that texture is kind of saying that a lot of the jobs coming in from the corporations from overseas are paying an awful lot more money for the jobs and paying an awful lot higher salaries. And that's driving rental prices up as well. And just one or two more before I let you go. I can't believe how things, how bad things are getting with the cost of living at the moment. One small example. I happen to be looking back on shopping receipts and I noticed that in the space of, a, of maybe four weeks or so, a pound of butter went from 2 19 to 2 99 First it went to 2 29 then went from 2 29 to 2 49 then 2 59 and now it's sitting at 2 99 And who, who knows how much higher it may go? This is also just the supermarket branded butter before you ask which you'd expect would be on the fairer side of prices. I hope you get to share this. It's just one typical example of the staple price of a product in a Cork supermarket, says Janet Horgan. Keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Get in touch by email to neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.